coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. We have navigated through 13 weeks of the college football regular season, and we are ready for conference championship week. Several games on the docket, all with implications, all with hardware on the line, and for some of the teams, possibly a ticket into the 2023-24 college football playoff. Luke and Alex, here with you, both fresh off of our work days. Uh, you know you know that, that, that daytime work schedule, you usually get out around 4 o'clock, and and you, you take about 20 minutes to get ready for the show. And lo and behold, you're starting your your show at a very, very magical hour. Almost as if uh intended. Uh, <laughs> uh I Luke was doing 90 on the highway, uh drank a fifth of vodka, dare me to drive type of stuff to get here <laughs> in time to start to start this at the right time. And uh thank you for your dedication to the uh to the theme or milieu of our podcast Luke. <laughs> well we do have a we have a, a little bit lighter this week just because not as many games going on our college uh and pro picks really will will be a little bit lighter uh, but lots to lots to get to here in the first quarter um this this first quarter will be a pretty pretty normal first first quarter with a uh, college football potpourri and discussion and at the forefront of that discussion is uh the, the transfer portal Things are opening up. I think December 4th is the official day where things can actually open up. But um, we've already had a couple of names here locally in North Carolina uh, for the Wolfpack that are going to not be with the Wolfpack next year. I don't think either of them were terribly unexpected, but I did hear today that MJ Morris uh, entering the transfer portal after his Instagram post like two weeks ago said he wasn't. Um, So we're just status quo there. Um, Porter Rooks is also another guy for NC State who will be entering the portal. And it's just, it's, it's, I guess nobody really knows what to expect because this is really the first off season where this full it goes full bore really with, with really full free agency. There's no other term for it. Yeah. I think the pack had two other defensive players, uh, CJ Clark and uh, that there was a DB. I'm, I'm scrolling backwards um, on the transfer portal page, Jaquin Harris. Uh, so four pack members intending and just a, a reminder on some of the transfer portal rules since this is fresh and it's really kind of the first real quote unquote free agency period we've entered um all athletes can enter the transfer portal december 4th and it closes january 2nd this year um players can enter earlier if their head coach has gone or been fired or if they are a graduate transfer. So that is why you will see like a DJ Uyunglele able to put himself back in and immediately before the December 4th uh, opener for everyone else, because he's a graduate transfer. Um, Riley Leonard, much the same. Uh, There's a couple of guys out there who in the next, you know, four or five days will officially enter the transfer portal. Um, But that is because they are grad transfers. Everyone else who is not a graduate transfer 
Uh, they will officially go in on the fourth, which is why you'll see some of the language around, you know, for example, MJ Morris, Dante Moore, uh, they intend to enter the grad, uh, the, the transfer portal. So just a little update for the the right hash followers out there on how this bad boy is going to work. Um, it, sh- it should be an interesting time. I saw uh, a name that really piqued my interest earlier today was uh, Juice Wells out of South Carolina. Um, this is a guy that I I he he was almost my coin flip as to whether or not South Carolina would lose or beat Tennessee earlier, and and he was hurt for that game. Um, be interested to see where he lands because uh, he's a, a hell of a receiver. Uh, first team All SEC last season um, was just hampered by injuries this year. But uh, yeah, man, well, I I'm not going to say this is my favorite time of year because college football regular season is, but. Uh, you know, this is still fun. We have the coaching carousel that is picking up. We already have people who have been on and got off the coaching carousel since we last talked. Um, a, a, a fun time, uh, a lot of changes, and uh, a lot of stuff to keep up with. So um, make sure you've got a couple of, you know, Twitter pages you follow or whatever, or a couple of good sources with your, with your team so you can keep up with uh, everything that's happened locally and nationally. And if you're a if you're a Duke Blue Devils fan here here in in the Triangle, um, if you follow that one of those teams that wears blue, you you've gotten some news today that Riley Leonard is uh, going to it intends to enter the transfer portal. Um, he's been linked to Notre Dame. Um, we you know you're you were gonna have our our you know Pete Thamel is already trying to to uh, embrace that Adam Schefter role of like oh it, it, this school is looking at him you know he wants to be the guy to break that news. So um, yeah it'll it'll be a, it'll be a fun time on on social media. Uh, uh, just uh, a clarification again. Uh, Riley Leonard has entered the transfer portal. He is a okay. grad transfer, so he goes in immediately. Um, and as you said, uh, Notre Dame, but also Auburn, I have heard. Um, and we had the Matt Rule interview earlier this week where he said one, one and a half, two million is what, uh, you know, a quarterback is is kind of the going rate for the, you know, the ones that most of the teams want. Um, and I, I imagine Riley Leonard is right up there if Notre Dame and Otter, uh, Notre Dame and Auburn are not knocking at the door. So, uh, it, it's it's funny they were talking about how much Brock Purdy makes. It's like six hundred and twenty five k, while you have a guy like Riley Leonard who's going to go make one and a half million dollars to play one year. <laughs> uh, like I mean, DJ Uyunglele, like I said, entered the portal. Um, Dante Moore, uh, that five star uh, true freshman out of UCLA. I mean, if any of those guys gets two or two and a half million, they're going to make more in their one year in college than Brock Purdy will in his four years on his rookie deal in the NFL. Uh, so that I think we're going to see a lot of fifth year, sixth year guys uh, in the in the college ranks, which I think bodes pretty well for uh, for college football, keeping some some of its good quarterback talent in the league for another year or two than maybe you would have prior before NIL. One name I've heard linked to NC State is Brennan Armstrong. We graduating, and of course, as mentioned, AJ Morris, or excuse me, MJ Morris will be transferring. Is uh, Will Rogers from Mississippi State? He's he's a guy whose name I've heard from several several people associated with NC State. Is a guy that they're going after, and you know, you kind of wonder what his price will be and how he fits into that Robert and I offense. But that that's that's the the name that I've heard the most. Um, you know, I today you know Oregon Oregon State's a program to watch because not only Uyunglele, but probably half their roster is going to go elsewhere now that now that yep. John, Jonathan Smith took the Mich- Michigan State job, and that's just that's just how it's going to be. And and I think as fans, you know, putting on it, just taking off our our 
podcaster hats for a minute. And just as fans, like you've got to be willing to just accept like, Hey, this guy's going to go and we're going to have to find somebody to replace him. Uh, because you know, the, one of the first things I saw this morning was uh, Mike Barlow and, and fellow South Carolina tweeters, just kind of upset with juice Wells because he, you know, they donated to the NIL collective and now juice Wells is going somewhere else. And it's like, this is just what you have to do. And you have to have faith in your coaching staff and your university to also be able to bring guys in uh, just like these other teams are doing. So it's going to become being, being a coach is going to, you're going to have that kind of NFL kind of uh, mentality with it, its talent acquisition now, even more than it, than it has been. So um, just, we've got, you know, we've got to, as an NC state fan, I've got to be like, man, it sucks. This guy's leaving, but like, there's going to be this every year. And we, I just have to, I have to hold my nose and trust Dave Doran to bring somebody in who who can replace them. Well, and a couple of other nuances here. Um, guys can withdraw from the transfer portal as well. Yeah, once you go in, you can withdraw and stay where you are. It happened with uh, Jalen Wright, Tennessee's 1,000-yard rusher this year, entered the transfer portal last year not knowing if he was going to be the primary back with Jabari Small and Dylan Sampson in play. Um, and he, he used that as a way to just kind of say, pay me my NIL money. And they paid him his NIL money. He came out of the portal and came, I mean, didn't move. He just kept the same dorm room. He was right there. Nothing changed. So um, you, I think you're going to see a lot of athletes use this as, I mean, it's, it's free agency. They're going to test the water if they're a valuable asset that is, um, you know, not being compensated uh, accordingly, maybe not accordingly, but you know, Juice Wells value has probably gone up, especially to South Carolina with Spencer Rattler declaring for the draft. They don't have, they don't have a lot and they need what they need juice more than juice needs them. Um, So he's going to be able to strong arm them and say, either pay me more money or I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's when the schools have the opportunity to say, all right, all right, we like you. Here's uh, our NIL collective offer to you to stay for the final year. That's that that's going to happen. Um, but you're also going to have these guys who just put their name in the portal to see what's out there. They might not even have an intent. They might not have talked to anybody at another school. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know that stuff happens. Um, and that they may just go in there and kind of get the market rate for their services. So just, just because the guy enters the portal doesn't mean he's leaving. It just, uh, I would say most of the time it does, but, I, they said 20% of athletes have entered this thing. And I, I know 20% of athletes don't move. So it's like in the back, back in, in, in the day when the, you would basketball players would declare for the NBA draft, but they wouldn't hire an agent. They basically essentially leave their options open. Like it, that's, that's the closest parallel to me that I think it, to me that, that it is um, or like a restricted free agent in the NFL, where the team that currently owns their rights can tender them before they actually hit the market. That just kind of, I know it's not exactly the same, but let's, it's it's the I, the impression that I'm getting is it's kind it's kind of like that, um, and it's you know the onus is on the player to determine to determine what their market is essentially well, they're they're kind of their own kind of their own agent but you know you've got you kind of have nil agents out there already oh they've all got agents the yeah. big ones all have agents um, if they're not you know family members they de- they definitely have some sort of sports agency that they're working with through that. Um, but yeah, uh, the the draft is another good point um, uh, for a guy like DJ Uliungulale, who's probably borderline, could be in the mix for you know third, fourth, fifth round, uh, just based off of his upside. 
Um, he's going to be able to go now. Okay, what's what's my one year offer from a school? Does that come anywhere close to what a slotted fifth round pick makes? And if not, I'll go pro. And if it does, I got no problem with staying in college, going somewhere that's high profile and having another chance to maybe get my name back to where it was coming into college. Um, so you're going to have that situation, but also with Oregon state, um, not only losing their head coach, but they're going to the Mac or the, uh, the mountain West, sorry, um, them in Washington state. And I got to imagine a lot of those guys, I mean, this is a, this is an AP ranked Oregon state team that is moving to the mountain West. Those guys didn't go to Oregon state to play in the fucking mountain West. They're going to leave their coach left. And now they're not in a real conference. They're not in a power five conference. They're, they're going to leave. Um, so a, a lot of these decisions that schools make are going to have uh, immediate impacts more so than they used to, uh, especially when it comes to uh, expansion and, and reorganization uh, of these leagues. Um, it's just going to be another one of those side effects. Um, and fo- fo- football is a change in. Yeah, and it, for so many years, there was that double standard between a coach can leave and take any job they want, but a player has to sit out or can't transfer to certain schools or yada, yada, yada. And now that that playing field's been leveled a little bit, but still some coaching carousel updates uh, as we approach conference championship games. Um, real- several several hires. Yeah, yeah. if we can finish up uh, players real quick, though. Yeah, I, I just had one notable one. Uh, uh, quarterback from Texas A&M, Max Johnson, has committed oh, yeah. to UNC. Yeah. I, I just thought that was a notable one because they're going to be replacing Drake May. And Max Johnson had an okay season. Um, I, I see this kind of like Devin Leary going to Kentucky. Like, it's not going to fix the problem, but he's better than what they have, so it's still going to be an upgrade, um, at, at least next season. Uh, he's not an upgrade over Drake May. Do, do not <laughs> – confused what i'm saying there uh, <laughs> but he's better than what they have behind drake may uh so just just one i wanted to put out there because i did see it happen uh he's one of those guys that went into the portal very quick um he probably had some offline talks not that unc would break any ncaa rules um but he probably <laughs> had some offline talks uh because that that happened really fast that happened yesterday and the portal for those guys was barely even open yeah, I'd heard that was a, my my supervisor at work is a big Carolina fan. He reads; he's an Inside Carolina subscriber, and he was telling me that that had been pegged for about a week. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a wonder, wonder how good of a fit that'll end up being. You know, it's we we we, we won't see him in a Tar Heel uniform until next season. But the uh, UNC being proactive there uh, to get Drake May's heir apparent, um, and it, it's just appropriate too because you know the male student population at UNC loves themselves Max Johnson all the time they, so, so they do just take they take do. take that max johnson right 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 into you but um chapel go, thrill <laughs> going to uh going down the road actually to, to durham there's there's been a major shakeup, and that was one that i think was expected by a lot of people but uh to mike elko tickle me elko now the head coach at texas a&m doesn't have the massive massive contract that jimbo fisher had uh but this was this was a move that a lot of people saw coming because of elko's employment history and you know what where he had taken duke in just a couple of years uh but the 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 butterfly effect of that is you know i no idea if how solid this rumor is but tony gibson nc state's defensive coordinator being mentioned as a candidate for a duke's head coaching job and that, that you know that would be a great a great 
hire for for Duke. You know, you kind of take a Mike Elko type and slide another right in there, defensive minded head coach. Um, but you know, for NC State, that would be a huge loss uh, because you know Coach Gibson is one of the main reasons that defense is as good as it is. But uh, this is kind of a, a symptom of being as you know consistent as NC State has been. I don't want to say good as NC State has been because they haven't won 10 games yet, but they're, they've been consistent to the point where it gets noticed to where their, you know, assistants could be candidates for head coaching jobs. So that, that to me was the biggest, um, the biggest splash so far in the coaching carousel. Um, we mentioned Jonathan Smith from Oregon State to Michigan State. And then one kind of under the radar one, uh, Georgia defensive backs coach Fran Brown being hired at Syracuse to replace Dino Babers, which is you know, probably a little bit of a distraction for the dogs heading into the SEC championship game. But also reflects really well on Kirby Smart and company that you've got somebody getting a, an, a, a a power five job, you know, not even being a coordinator yet, you know, just being a position coach. So um, that's another another move since we last talked that that took place after Dino Babers got fired. That that that's like ha- hiring Adam Gase because Peyton Manning looked good. Like we, we we all know who coaches defensive backs at Georgia, and it's not Fran Brown. It is it is Kirby Smart. That's what he played. That's what he coaches. Um, Syracuse is, I imagine, getting this guy on his name and his recruiting prowess because um, I don't I don't know I I just don't like hiring guys like that that uh, you know kind of have that overlap with what the head coach does and you, you just you know you know that Kirby Smart coaches defensive backs it's it would be like hiring Nick Saban's defensive back coach okay you can do that and like the positions look good but how much did they have to do with that how much did Nick Saban have to do with that um i i have cbs here giving them a b minus for the grade i think that's probably what i would give it i mean good for syracuse i guess but i i i wouldn't have fired dino to hire this guy the same way i wouldn't have fired jimbo fisher to hire mike elko as big of a Mike Elko fan as we've been, that's a, that, that's a quick leap from, you know, two okay seasons at Duke to, all right, welcome to Texas A&M. Welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, by the way, uh, we're adding Texas and Oklahoma to the conference, so your job just got harder, uh, and people in Texas are, are going to hate you more if you do bad because it's going to mean Texas looks better. Um, yeah, well, I'll tell you, though, one hire that I absolutely love, that's Jeff Lebby going to Mississippi State. Big fan of that Mike Leach, Art Bryles, uh, air raid type of, of tree that Jeff Lebby comes from. Uh, Jeff Lebby and Josh Heupel have, have crisscrossed it at destinations because they're both out of that same tree. And I think you need a coach like that to revive a program. I don't think defensive coaches revive programs very well. Um but they work very well at places like Georgia and Alabama that have a higher floor than everybody else. There's only so far those teams are really going to fall. Um, but when you get to the point of where Tennessee was, you get to the, the point where Mississippi State is. Let's just go get a guy who can light up the scoreboard. Recruits love that. That draws them in. They love being on TV. That's going to put them on TV. Excellent hire. Um, I mean, I, I think I think this is the best hire of the window so far. Uh, personally, um, uh, I'm I'm looking down here. Not a whole lot has happened. We had the uh, the uh, Signetti hire at Indiana just happen a couple of that's hours. A guy, that's a guy that Carolina there. fans were interested in. 
actually. I because I, I, you know Frank Signetti, his dad used to work at, at UNC. Uh, so that, and and my um, the, the the one Carolina fan I'm willing to talk to said, "Oh, I think he's too old. We should go after someone else." But Indiana, obviously, not thinking that. I think that's a good hire. I've actually met Frank Signetti uh, twice at hobby shows. He's an old Colts legend, um, and they've had him in like the um, autograph lines. Uh, really, really nice guy. I, I did not know that he had offspring that were in the coaching tree. Uh, really, I mean, I, I wouldn't have known him at James Madison if he had been a superstar. Um, but a good hire for Indiana. I don't, I don't know why he took that job. Uh, yeah, I feel like he could have done better. Yeah, I would have just waited. Uh, there's, there's surely going to be some better but, things open. I, I, I would have taken, I would have taken an offensive coordinator job at, at Alabama or, or, or a coordinator job of his choosing at a high SEC school, rather than going to head coach Indiana. Personally, yeah, yeah, it's, um, that's what Sean Lewis did. Yeah, Sean Lewis just got hired at San Diego State. Former Kent State boss. He was uh prime's oc oc for a year or really really for like half a season but um oh. that yeah that that kind of part he, he parlayed that into to another head coaching job uh, but some it's of these guys the are just prime. like some of these guys are just like no i want the challenge i want that real you know, i want to take on that rebuild maybe signetti is one of those guys but but yeah i saw that this morning and i was like huh i mean that that indiana <laughs> coach is the guy who was able to blow a double digit lead to jeremy pruitt in four minutes at the end of a of a bowl game i uh, i don't i don't know if i want to challenge that hard like that <laughs> that that's the team you're working with you're working with the offshoots of that roster yeah, um, and but i mean I, I will say i will say bloomington is a pretty sweet place it, it doesn't seem like it because it's in the middle of indiana but it's a fun college town i've been there a couple of times i enjoy it um, just my aunt actually used to live there. It's uh it's, I, I have a million aunts and uncles all over the country. If you if you listen to this show, um, but, uh, I've been, been, been on the campus at IU. It's, it's, it's a nice place. So, um, I, but, but yeah, it's just does not, does not have the football pedigree that you would think. Um, the thing <laughs> is though, they, they do have the booster pedigree. Correct. Um, one Mark Cuban, uh, is from there. We know how much he loves to invest in sports and, he, he just had a pretty good payday this week. Not that we're talking about basketball, but, uh, you know, I, I can see them hitting it, you know, trying, trying to sell this like, Hey, Mark, you want to just toss us 10, 15 million, which ought to rebuild this thing real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, th- there's a, there's a lot of rich, rich IU business, uh, alumni. It, you might not think about it and you might not think Indiana university, but their business school is ridiculous. And, they have alumni that you've never heard of that have uncountable amounts of wealth. Um, not to mention Mike Ehrman trout went there, the guy who played him. Uh, so that they, they got some money, Joe book, I believe. Yeah. Joe, Joe Buck. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't finish, but he, he is an he is technically an alum. Sa- I think Sage Steele went, uh, you could hit up the younger Zeller. He's probably still got some NBA money. Yeah, Cody Zeller. Uh, there's a lot of them. So, you know, if you play that angle and just try to say, let's win the NIL battle. Hey, why not? It's too bad. Bob Knight. It's too bad. Bob. They, they ruined their relationship with Bob Knight because that man's estate probably would have gone. At least some of that would have gone to IU if, if they hadn't alienated him. True. True. (laughs) I mean, did did they alienate Antoine Randall L? He's probably got some. (laughs) 
Oh, I, I, lo- I lo- loved me some Antoine Randall L. But I, I think we've talked about Indiana enough. I just, I just, I just do. I, I, I was just shocked. I'm like, Indiana? Yeah, I'm going to stay to James Madison. That's a better job. Yeah. 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 Har- James- Harrisburg's great, man. Harrisburg's they- great. JMU's going to a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana's not. <laughs> Thanks to South Carolina losing to Clemson. It's true. JM- JMU and Jacksonville State are going to bowls, people. They- they got what they wanted anyway, so. Fuck the NCAA. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> South Carolina Junior, for doing your job. Spencer <laughs> Rattler's here. last gift to college football was bull birth to James Madison. <laughs> <laughs> We're still here in the first quarter. A couple other topics to get to. Um, but, uh, of course, Georgia-Alabama in the SEC championship. Um, the one, one, one talking point I had about the dogs, um, we'll, we'll pick the game, uh, last in our picks. That's the, that'll be the, the, the pinnacle, but, um, there was a lot of question marks surrounding Carson Beck from, from myself included. Yeah. I think from a lot of people associated with Georgia and associated with college football, look, we knew what Georgia had. We knew Georgia had just, you know, top-notch offensive line and defensive line. We know they have great defensive backs. We know they have great linebackers and we know they've got Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton, Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, all those weapons on offense. What we weren't sure about was how Carson Beck was going to play. And Carson Beck has answered the bell this season. He's completing like 72% of his passes, which is insane. I compared this to other past Georgia quarterbacks. He's double-digit accuracy points ahead of Eric Zier, DJ Shockley, David Green, and Matthew Stafford. He he's like sixteen per, uh, completion percentage points above Matthew Stafford, which to me is insane. Uh, the 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 closest to him was Stetson Bennett with about a completion percentage of sixty five and a half over his his career with Georgia. So that you know that when you look at the success that Georgia's had this year, and the job's not finished, the job is not finished. You have to give Carson Beck his flowers because he was that was you know the uncertainty this season a lot was riding on how he actually played and if you look at his stats his stats probably aren't as good as some other quarterbacks in this country because he gets pulled in the third quarter of most of the games so i just wanted to at the end of the regular season i just wanted to tip my hat to carson beck because he you know, played way better than i expected him to he just slid right in led the dogs to an off an undefeated regular season and you know it took him for a couple of these games to to pull out you know if he doesn't you know, nut up in that Auburn game. We we don't we don't win that game if he doesn't. You know, put put himself together in 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 you know in the Georgia Tech game. You're looking at something totally you know maybe something totally different. So just wanted to shout that out, get that out here on the show that you know Car- Carson Beck exceeded my expectations. Uh, really, really good good job this year, but still more to do. Um, still a big challenge this week, and just re- really really looking forward to to that game playing out. Of course, we'll pick it in the second quarter, but. I think I think Georgia fans have to be happy with what they've gotten out of quarterback this year. Yep. I mean, not too much else to say. He's been uh, you know, just kind of the the the, the quiet engine um of the offense. Hasn't been flashy, doesn't make a lot of plays with his legs particularly, but um I I think the biggest asset and the most frustrating part about him as an opponent is uh, their success on third and medium, third and short, uh, through the passing game, and uh, I mean, you know, they had they've had games with Brock Bowers out, they've had games with Lad McConkey out, and you know, they 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 definitely did well in the transfer portal with with Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas, and um, you know, they they're not lacking for playmakers, but 
it, it's it's still a group that not a lot of people had any idea of how they would fit together because they hadn't been put together. Uh, and it, it took Georgia a couple of weeks, I would say. Uh, I mean, I, you could almost still uh, lobby for the idea that they're still trying to put their offense together a little bit. Um, but the, the, the number for me that means the most six picks, he's, he throws an interception every other game. And if you're getting that out of your quarterback, who's still throwing 3,500 yards, uh, 20 plus touchdowns, you, you're going to win a lot of ball games, especially when you have the defense and the rest of the supporting staff that Carson Beck has. Um, he didn't need to be, Hendon Hooker of last year. He didn't need to be Stetson Bennett of last year. Didn't need to be Matt Stafford. Um, you know, completion percentage is huge, although it's a dip from last year. His 35 uh, attempts last year, he actually completed 74% of. So, um, you know, something to review. Maybe he can hit on the say, you know, one more upgrade uh, next year. I, I mean, I hope not, but that trajectory being what it is, uh, Stands to reason he's only going to get better as he gets older. Um, six QBR in the country, and that's about all you can hope for when you're talking about replacing Stetson Bennett, a guy who is not super talented. And that's, I mean, it's why the Rams just brought in Carson Wentz. They don't have anybody behind Stafford. Um, you know, he's he's not lighting it up. He he wasn't of. I I just hate to say it. The guy won two national titles, but he just, I he he played. He's like these soccer players that play way better for their home club than they do uh, their domestic club. That they, they play way better for nation than they do for country. Yeah, uh, for domestic and kind of, kind of what? Yeah, kind of what Stetson Bennett uh, was to me. He he just got like this. If you're playing an RPG, he had like a set bonus just being in the Georgia offense. Um, and you take him out of that, and he's like. It's like he put his hand back on the Monstars basketball and gave all of his skills back uh, when he went to the NFL. I, I think Carson Beck is going to be a better quarterback uh, down the road than Stetson Bennett is. Um, he he has the the pedigree coming in, and even though he looks like one of those uh, clowns that you knock down at the Chuck E. Cheese game, um, he he's put together a really good season. And I, I I don't dislike the guy. There's there's nothing that I've seen to dislike about him. So. Uh, other than he plays at Georgia and throttled my team. Um, I don't wish him well, but I don't wish him badly. That's as good as you're going to get from me at a rival school. <laughs> and, and he's been doing it this year with a banged up receiving core. You know, Brock Bowers has missed time. Lad McConkey missed time at the beginning of the year. Rara Thomas was out for the Georgia Tech game. He hasn't really had his full complement of receivers, and we'll see what the receiving core looks like on Saturday against Alabama. But that's provided opportunities for guys to step up. And one guy who stepped up is Dylan Bell. Um, who he's I, I he's listed as a I think he's listed as a receiver or a tight end, but he kind of does a little bit of everything. He threw for a touchdown pass uh, in, yep. in, a, in a recent in the uh, the Tennessee Tennessee game. game, and he's he's run he's run for a couple touchdowns and he's caught a couple touchdowns in recent games. So he's just another he, one of those guys in the next man up that I've been trying to been trying to highlight every couple shows that either on offense or defense. Now Tyke Smith is another guy I've talked about. Jamon Dumas Johnson, and then next in that line is Dylan Bell. He's kind of that that dog that's that's stepped up the last couple games to you know just pr just prove how deep this team is. Yeah, man, threw and caught one against Tennessee. One of the I want to say maybe the first bulldog to ever do that. I don't know. Dang. Like Hines it feels Ward? like I was gonna say it feels like Heinz Ward had to have done that, but I just don't know if they were running him at receiver in the games he was playing quarterback. Because I mean, Dylan Bell wasn't playing quarterback. That was a that was a pitch out. Uh, 
throw. He wasn't playing quarterback. Heinz Lord was the quarterback of the team. Um, I don't know if they had the backup chucking passes to him. It might be a little bit obvious in that offense back then. Um, but uh, certainly um, a, a little bit of a questionable matchup here for for Georgia this weekend. We will talk to the, uh, talk about that uh, at the end of our picks. We have saved that uh, to not go chronologically. We will save that for the very end of the picks. Um, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Luke. Regular season's over. You know, we got championship week, but, you know, should Georgia beat Alabama, it'll be a calendar month before we're really talking about them again over a calendar month. Um, thoughts on this regular season, uh, working with Georgia in general, the football season, anything you want to say? Will, we'll have more time in the offseason, but anything strike your fancy today? Well, I just want to start by saying I think this is some of the most drama going into conference championship weekend that we've had. Like, every game kind of means something to to at least one of the teams. And, I, and we haven't always seen that here with this four-team playoff. And I, I really, really like that. Um, it, 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 I'm bummed that we won't get the SEC on CBS theme music anymore. But I'm not bummed that we'll get an actual conventional commercial format. With uh with ABC taking over instead of uh instead of CBS, um I, I don't miss the I'm not gonna miss the like three plays commercial three plays commercial that we get for the, a lot of those three thirty games. Um I'm I'm just sticking with teams that that I I follow. I'm pleasantly surprised by NC State. Um yeah, I did not think after that Duke game they would turn things around and win out, much less become bowl eligible. Um I'm not gonna shout out Dave Doran because I don't like him and that doesn't change this. Um, and I don't like Brennan Armstrong either, but like, you've got to be proud of your alma mater winning nine games and having a shot at 10 for finally, um, that, that would be really cool. And I just like, I just think like, it was really great that the PAC 12 was, you know, so competitive and, you know, um, kind of in, you know, just in the spotlight a little bit in its last season, because uh, as much as we joke about now, yeah, we all, you know, we, we were passed out watching these games. Like these are, these are, these are these games that help you squeeze out that last little bit of football from your Saturday night, especially for me when I get back from a broadcast late at night, 11 or 12 o'clock. So I, I was just glad that we got a lot of Pac-12 drama this year, and we're going to have a great game on Friday night. Uh, we hope to kind of just tie a ribbon and uh, on top of everything. Um, so it just, those are just uh, my, my quick hitters, uh, if you will, from this 2023 season. Um, and I just, I, I just, I wish it didn't go so quickly, man. Great list. And, uh, I, I echo the PAC 12 portion for sure. Uh, historically not been a conference you could watch as, as a football fan. It just hasn't been good. Um, and this year, I mean, there, there was at least one banger matchup in that conference every single week of this year for, for the most part. Um, Kind of sad to see it go now that we see the what the potential could have been uh, if people hadn't jumped the gun on some stuff. Um, but, you know, m money rules everything. Cash rules everything around me, as they say. Um, I, honestly, I don't have too much more to add to that other than uh, I'm glad that the majority of preseason hype bullet points died by October. And when I say that, we stopped hearing about Colorado for the most part. And we stopped hearing about Caleb Williams for the most part. And we got to hear about the people and the teams that deserved and earned their spot, uh, you know, in, in the clippings and weren't just given it based on hype and what 
these fucking idiots at the top think are going to happen because they're they're always wrong. Every time they make you know prognostications, they're they're wrong. Um, and you know in, in the in the coming weeks, we're also going to do a little bit of digging up on ourselves and find out what we got right or wrong from the preseason. So, uh, you know, as we sit here at the end of the season, I can confidently say I felt very good about my prediction on, on Colorado uh, hitting a wall and, and being not an abject failure, but a failure based on, I mean, they had fucking game day there for Colorado, Colorado state. How stupid does that sound now? Um, hmm. And I mean, USC, it, they're lucky to be going to a bowl because their team sucks. Lincoln Riley can't hire a defensive coordinator. He has been turned down two or three times uh, by defensive coordinators because he doesn't play. He doesn't. He doesn't care about defense. That's what. So cost him this year. That's why Oklahoma probably came out on the better end of that Lane Kiffining that he pulled. Um, but I, I'm. I'm just. I was happy to see some of the, the stuff that they predicted just come out flat wrong. Um, and and see the new superstars kind of bud around it, especially at quarterback with, you know, I guess we anticipated Bo Nix being, you know, kind of near the top, but who had Bo Nix for Heisman uh, at the end of the regular season? And, you know, you had the story of Michael Penix and um, unfortunately Jordan Travis's end of the season, but the role that they had Florida State on and what Louisville's done, what Georgia Tech has done, what Duke did. Um, there's just a lot of really good stories this year. Uh that I'm glad got to come to light because those other ones got put to bed pretty early. And we'll, you know, we'll dig deeper into this later, but uh, in a future show, but one, I will pre just to preview one prediction I made that I was correct against Phil Steele was that I predicted Virginia would finish higher than last in the ACC and they finished second to last. So that's a, that's one I know I hit on, even if I barely hit on it. Um, so, uh, and, and I do think, I do think Tony Elliott, got enough, you know, salvaged enough trust in, in the Virginia fan base with those wins over Duke and UNC to, to kind of, to kind of at least buy himself another, another year of like, okay, we're not going to fire you in the middle of the season. Even if that Virginia tech game was, was kind of shitty, but you know, you just, that's always been a, a big brother, little brother type of rivalry. So I wasn't really surprised to see that, that 55 to 17 beat down at Scott stadium, but you know, the Tony Elliott, another, another year of the Tony Elliott saga coming up in Charlottesville. Well, We'll have to keep in touch with Connor about about all that. Yeah, I I was thinking about that right before we tipped off the show because I I I, w- I would be curious in Connor's thoughts. Um, like if they had lost that last game, twenty four to ten, that's one thing, but that uh, no, yeah. it's especially to your biggest rival. Um, no, that is unacceptable. Period. Especially the way you, if you, if you were winless going into that, okay, roll over and die, but you weren't winless and you were playing for momentum going into the next season. I personally think he just pissed it all away. Um, not, not, not in terms of hot seat, but in terms of momentum, because it just kind of felt like I hit my head on the concrete and got 2020 vision back and like, oh, okay, never mind. But is that Peter Parker meme where he pulls his glasses off and they're kind of blurry? He puts them back on and he sees what's really happening. It's like, okay, never mind. That's there's Tony Elliott. He's back. <laughs> they're they're they're, <laughs> they're doing the same things over there. The, those those fluke weeks are done. Yeah, it's like the Groucho glasses. It's like <laughs> we knew they pull the villain off the mask off the villain and Scooby Doo. Like it's Tony Elliott. <laughs> like man, just just make it look close. Yeah, that was that was bad. That was bad. Just I, make I it like look it. close. Did uh, you have any other uh, any other thoughts though on this this regular season that has once again 
come to a close, sadly. I I, I just hate that we're losing a conference. Yeah. But my aunt and uncle in Utah will have a lot newer places to go to next year. Um, I don't know where the Utes are traveling, but you know, Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> that sounds like sounds like a fun trip. <laughs> I mean, th- this is the last season that regular season losses matter. Yeah, that's kind of true. And we could have three, you know, rivals playing each other three times in a month. So that yeah, that could be easily. that could be interesting. That could be interesting. But um I'm just trying to savor the rest of the season, even as far gone as it is from the college football of old. This is still as close as we're going to get to it for ever. You know, it it changes so much after this year that it just it, it's not going to feel the same. I'll be hyped the same, but it's not going to feel the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm trying not to think about that as well. But well, my team is done, Luke, so I have to think about it. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> One down, three to go. Second quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. And that's a great segue into quarter number two, where we uh, we will pick all of the conference championship games. Uh, no surprise indies this week, unfortunately, because there aren't any extra FBS games to uh, to pick. Uh, so um, before we do that, though, let's get a, a quick standings update and last week's results. Sure. I We both had good weeks. I had an exceptionally good week. Um we, we were both perfect through the Oregon-Oregon State game, and then Ohio State-Michigan kicked off. I got you with a no, not-so-fast, my friend, uh, on Michigan beating Ohio State. And then you tried to loop back around and hit me with a not-so-fast on Louisville. Got you there, too. So uh, ended the season on a good 2-0 two for uh, two and on the not-so-fast, my friend. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm giving us both partial credit on our surprise indies because they were both close. Um, I feel like I was the only person in the country that saw Georgia Tech ha- making that uh, that a game versus Georgia. Uh, first good Georgia Tech team that Georgia has come up against, honestly, I since I can't remember when. Um, and it it, it showed Georgia Georgia Tech had some spunk. They had some talent. Uh, you know, to stand with the dogs, and they were in that right up until the very end, one score game. Um, so that minus twenty four that Georgia got, I thought was hilarious and. Uh, unfounded a little bit there um and you had just a skin of your teeth miss on the uh on the so surprise close there. man so fucking close yeah miami um, university so- <laughs> blocking the field goal blocking the ball state field goal to preserve the two-point victory ah oh, so close man. yeah so that that brought you to um 11 and 4 on the week 98 and 56 for the regular season got so close to the centurion um we still have championship games but in terms of regular season 98 56 i went 13 and 2 bringing me to 112 and 42 um 42.0 to be specific uh for the season bringing us into championship week This is the one time that Luke talks to mute. For yep, Luke. there it was. I was gonna. I was gonna say um, <laughs> ninety-eight minus forty-six or ninety-eight minus fifty-six is forty-two, for forty-two point zero. So we both meaning of life. have that. <laughs> 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 but anyway, we've got uh, we've got 
uh, 4.2 plus 5.8 games to pick here in college. Um, and we'll start on Friday because there are two games. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the appetizer first, Liberty and New Mexico State and Conference USA. Uh, this game at beautiful Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia, site of where my high school football team, that I, I didn't play on, but my high school football team won the state championship there in 2007. Um, they've made millions of improvements to it since then. It's probably the nicest football stadium in the state of Virginia at this point. Um, and Liberty's just been running through people this year in a, in a weak conference with Jamie Chadwell, who may or may not be on people's radar for a, a, a coaching coaching move. But I've got Liberty beating New Mexico State, even though uh, New Mexico State definitely made people aware of, of, of how good they are with that win at Auburn a couple weeks ago. Yeah, just so, some funny transitive uh, stuff with with that uh, that group of teams. But uh, I'm going Liberty as well. Liberty, eleven point favorites, playing at home. Um, <laughs> might as well be home, right? Um, so I, I'm taking them. No, no offense to New Mexico State. I mean, those guys got ten wins. Hell, how? Like, excellent job down there. Um, but I, I Liberty's just too good. That will bring us to – That's it's going to bring us to a game I might have to talk Rob Jordan out of trying to record during. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> we, we, we might have to delay the right hosh until, until Monday, uh, a normal recording time, because we're scheduled to record during the Pac-12 championship. And uh, outside of the SEC championship, this is the one that means the most out of the, out of the big Power 5 ones. Um, some people suggest that if Oregon wins this game, they're in. I don't understand the logic. Um, if I have a one-loss Alabama with a win over Georgia versus a one-loss Oregon with a win over Washington, oh, geez, hard hard question there. But anyway, we'll, we'll let Boo Corrigan and the other elite college football minds figure that out. Um, I'm taking Washington in this one. They are now 10-point dogs to Oregon, and I know that they look kind of, you know, iffy last week, but that, that that's a that's – a, Rivalry game. Georgia looked iffy versus Georgia Tech, too, but it's the other team has so much to play for. Don't forget Wazoo was a top 15 team earlier this season, and they had nothing to lose. Washington had everything to lose. Michael Penix comes in uh, at the end of the game, makes clutch play, ultimately gets them in field goal range to, to knock that one down. Um, I like Washington to, to, to pick up their second win over Oregon, but they do say, it's really, really hard to get your second win over the same team in a season. Yeah, man. Elimination game. This is this this is an elimination game. I love it. Yep. I love that we're getting this on Friday night unopposed. Um, with and then everything else is kind of the next day. Um in Vegas. In Las Vegas, dude. With the uh my, my my one of my favorite album art is the Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper, um, single. And it's got the guy with the with the four suits of cards holding it and it's that's just what i think of when i think of elimination games it's like don't fear the reaper baby and i'm taking oregon they were three inches from winning in seattle that field goal just flew just just to the right of the upright um and i, I think oregon gets it done here love dan lanning uh just love the job that he's done caitlin DeBoer done a great job also this is not anti-washington by any means i just they, they Oregon lost by one in Seattle. They're going to win by one in Vegas. This this is going to be a good game. I I was a little surprised about that line. We were talking about that before the show, but um, Washington covers, but Oregon Oregon gets all the marbles in the Pac-12. You, real quick, you know how I was talking about Carson Beck's impressive inter interception stats. Yeah, 
Bo Nix has 37 touchdowns to two picks on the season. Jeez, where did that like where did he call? Like he's he's I feel like he's been playing college football for 70 years, and this is his first actual good season. And the irony is the first game he played, he beat Oregon at Auburn. Yeah, I, I remember that was the first day I ever worked at sports. That was my first weekend working at sports. And that was just like that was I got got thrown right into it and saw all those games. And it was, yeah, man. That's that's I a still, throw. I remember it. Yeah, dude, it's been that long. I remember that, though. Yep. All right, to Saturday. And the first game on the docket is the Big 12 Championship at Uncle Jerry's House of Discount TVs, also known as AT&T Stadium. Uh, you got Oklahoma State and you've got Texas. Texas win, and they they probably need some help, but they they, they might get that help, you know. Uh, so they are a big favorite over, over Oklahoma State, about 15 points. Uh, maybe 15 and a half, but uh, I've got, I've got Texas winning this one. Um, Oklahoma state almost didn't even make it. They almost flubbed it against BYU last week at home, um, needed a game winning field goal to, or game winning something in overtime to, to win that game. So yeah, I'm, I'm taking Texas here, even though the, I think a couple of years ago, Oklahoma state made some waves in the, the big 12 championship. It's not going to happen here though. Texas gets the win and positions themselves as best they can. Yeah. I'm picking Texas too. I uh, can't wait for this one. This is uh you can call this one the orange bowl. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just like when these colors clash. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Oklahoma state's orange, but um, you know, it, it's, it's close enough uh, for a non-Tennessee team. So um, I, I'm still taking Texas. Like you said, I, not, not real sold with how Oklahoma state played this season. I think they were just kind of the, you know, I don't even think they were the second best team in the, Big 12. They were just the second highest team in the Big 12. Um, so I'm, I'm taking Texas. They're 15 and a half point favorites. Um, it seems like this is not one that they're worried about because tickets for this are 44 bucks. Um, so not, not overly hyped. There's not a bloodbath for these tickets. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, thousand, of, thousand seat stadium. <laughs> sp- speaking of no bloodbath for, uh, for a game uh, that moves us over to the aforementioned Miami of Ohio, uh, as I refer to them. I only came about knowing them when Big Ben was throwing and punting for them. Uh, Miami of Ohio taking on Toledo in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I, I, I don't a, a battle of Ohio happening in Michigan just seems absolutely wrong. <laughs> um, Toledo eight point favorites here. Uh, this is at Ford Fields. I might need to phone a friend, see what Connor's feeling uh, from the field, but uh, I'm gonna take Toledo. I, I'm gonna be honest, don't know a whole bunch about these teams, but I would love, I would love to have Toledo win a championship so I can hear "Holy Toledo" by whoever the commentator is. Uh, just all, always a good, uh, always a good little snip to throw in there as an announcer. So. Toledo, I guess. Not so fast. No. Miami ruined my surprise indie last week. This Miami University, not the University of Miami. So I'm going to take them here this week. Uh, they they upset my Nana in Muncie, Indiana by blocking that field goal. 
uh, until we went over Ball State. But uh, I don't have a joke about Toledo. I just uh, I'm just picking Miami here. Um, <laughs> that, it, that could be a good game. You, you never know. It could be that one could be close in the fourth quarter, and you might have to throw that one on the primary screen for a couple minutes if uh, if Texas already has it in hand against Oklahoma State. Uh, I. Yeah, I've got I've got way more than enough screens to uh, <laughs> we know you to, to, to to handle this weekend. Like, uh, yeah, I could put I could put all the ESPN warcasts from the national championship on my TV and still run these games. So this is a man. This is a man who once had nine games on during one Saturday this season. Nine uh, games on not, at one time, and not just once. <laughs> Phil right. Steele takes pictures of my setup for his magazine. <laughs> Alex is the Chuck Norris of watching college <laughs> You just you just can't top him. <laughs> you just can't. All right, to the Mountain West, also in Las Vegas, UNLV getting that so-called home game against Boise State, who is going through a coaching change. UNLV's coach, that'll be a, a familiar name to some of our new friends from Missouri. Barry Odom done a tremendous job this season. And UNLV in a position to win their conference for the first time in shit, I think, forever. Um, I'm taking the running rebels here. I guess they're not the running rebels if they're they're football, they're just the rebels, but I'm taking them to beat Boise State. It's uh it's kind of interesting to see Boise State here. They've had a quiet season. Um, you know, they're not the powerhouse they used to be, but they're they're that team that kind of keeps showing up. But I, I like UNLV at home here. Just keep that, keep that good mojo going. Yeah, either either the Mountain West was really close with a bunch of good teams or really close with a bunch of bad teams. Uh, Cause seven and five made it to the championship game. Um, but at, you know, as they say, they're the university of Nevada at what? Las Vegas. And they're playing at Allegiant stadium located where? Las Vegas. Strike up the band. UNLV wins this one because they're playing at home. Um, Speaking of teams who were pretty much playing at home, uh, Tulane, AP ranked 22 Tulane, for the record, uh, playing Pony Up, the SMU Ponies, um, in the AAC championship game. Tulane, Tulane three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't put too much thought in this because I, I see Tulane and I see New Orleans and I just – I know those two lane people, while they might be a small football brand right now, they're one of the OG Southeastern Conference football brands, and I know that fan base is going to pack that shit out. Even though it's only $15, there's going to be a lot of green in that stadium. Uh, won't cost you a lot of green to get in, but you will need to be wearing a lot of green to get in. Give me Tulane over SMU. I'm with you here. Tulane, one of the upstart programs of the last few years. Are really trying to entrench themselves in that New Orleans, you know, New Orleans market, be New Orleans's college team. Willie Fritz is a tremendous coach, tremendous dude too. Just one of the great guys in college football. Love his press conferences. Um, yeah, man, this could be a high-scoring game. Um, and it's just the the Green Wave are going to keep driving down that two-lane road right to the to a possible New Year's Six Bowl. They've been they've been penciled in for the Peach Bowl. Um, so you you, ne- you never know, man. That this is a team that could. Uh, we saw them beat USC last year in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, they could very well be re- repeat performers in the New Year's Six. Um, I believe so. And uh, another uh, another another Group of Five conference championship game. Of course, this one a little bit different because even though JMU won the Sun Belt East, they are not eligible. So Appalachian State goes, and they will travel to Troy, Alabama, to meet the Trojans. And I've got Troy here winning this one. Um, just some some 
I this one this one I have a little bit more insight on because of the App State alumni in my office, and none of them are particularly optimistic about this game. Um, they're kind of just happy to be there. It seems um, Troy I think has the talent edge, but um, you know th- that's why they play the games. But but I'm taking Troy here uh, in the in this one just just based of hearing enough App alumni be like, yeah, we're probably going to lose this game. I'm not gonna not gonna overthink it. Luke, do you know what city Veterans Memorial Stadium is located in? Is that Birmingham? It is no. in Troy, Alabama. Troy. Okay. Okay. This is a straight home game. Okay. I thought so. Yes. This is a straight up home game for the fun belt. Um, yeah. I, it's That's that's my go-to in games like this. You get to play yeah. a game at home that means this. Yes. you're go- The home team should have the advantage. Uh, they should be favored. They are five and a half point favorites. I'm taking Troy. Not low Troy, but Troy. Mm-hmm. Um that moves us into probably the most volatile championship game of the weekend. Um, and that is Michigan versus Iowa in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. This is an 8 p.m. game on Fox. We don't see a lot of these uh, primetime Big Ten games at night. So uh should be interesting to see Michigan under the lights like this. We don't see it very much. Another championship game that's not costing a lot of money. It's 37 bucks to get into this one. Um, I mean, I guess it's because it's Iowa, but um, I mean, I, there's no question who I'm picking here. I, I don't I don't know if Iowa could score enough to outscore Michigan's defense, um, much less outscore their offense. Um, you know, two teams that didn't play each other during the year, but I feel very confident uh, in the transitive property of wins to say Michigan will win this game. It might not be a wide margin because Iowa's defense is legit, but their offense sucks, 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 sucks. Like that, they, they watched Jeremy Pruitt for, for inspiration on how to get their offense started. That's how bad it is. Um, give me Michigan. I, 22 points is a lot. That that's, that's their spread right now. 22 points is a lot because that's such a good defense, but otherwise Michigan's going to win this game. No question. George Skittles is not walking through that door. No, he is not. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I'm taking Nor is Sam here. Laporta or, or uh, who's the other one? Jack Campbell. They have. At yeah. I mean, it's uh it's, th- this is uh this one's all about the Jimmy's and Joe's man. This one is all about the Jimmy's and Joe's Michigan is supremely more talented than Iowa. Um, just, just way more talented. Almost across the board. Um, I'll, and that's that's as far as I'll go with that. Um, dude, TJ Hawkinson went there too. Dude, so many tight ends. Michigan. I know what the fuck like tight end Iowa. However, that's what that's the playbook that the namesake of our studios and I used to use in NCAA fourteen when we had a dynasty <laughs> because we we loved running the football. Man, it was all about running the damn football. Uh, but no, uh, Michigan, big, big in this one. Um, Twenty eight six is the projected score by Vegas. I expect it to be worse than that. Um, but no they, they predicted they're they're predicting I would have scored three safeties. So that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, that that's as close as they're gonna get. But <laughs> dude, Noah Fant, Dallas Clark, tight end university, right? Tight end you. Yeah, no question. Big ten. Big ten, <laughs> that'll be on Fox at eight o'clock Saturday night. ABC has the ACC from the Queen City of Charlotte, Florida State with Tate Roadmaker as the backup quarterback. Taking on a Louisville team that has a poor taste in their mouth after that loss to Kentucky. Um, Louisville team that shouldn't even be there. NC State just blew that game in Raleigh a few months ago. 
Um, but boy, this is this is a tough game for me to pick because of the injury uh, to wrote to uh, Jordan Travis. Uh, Florida State got a lot of almost all it could handle from a desperate Florida team last week. Um, I, I I I went back and forth on this one. Settled on FSU though. Um, just taking the favorite to win. I I don't think Louisville's offense ultimately has enough to uh to get get past Florida State. This is a Louisville team that almost and probably should have lost to Virginia at home. Uh, Florida State didn't come close to losing any games that I didn't think they were supposed to lose. So you know they're obviously undefeated. So t- taking them here, and then we'll just kind of have to see how it shakes out with the with what the playoff committee does. All right, so you're taking FSU, and I'm taking. Not so fast, my friend. I'm taking Elville. Um, that is where Florida State is going to reside uh, after Saturday. They're going to reside in Elville. Um, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, Louisville needs to win for college football. Um, it, it, it would be uh, – I, I just don't think it would be fitting for this Florida State team to be in a playoff. And, and you know – it sounds maybe hypocritical with what I felt about Tennessee last year, losing Hendon Hooker and how I felt it shouldn't have been held against them. But at the time, Joe Milton was a much more well-known, uh, you know, piece to the puzzle. He could come in and play and he had played pretty well in the spots that he played last year. Um, so much so that he won a orange bowl. So that's where I'm kind of trying to, to draw my differentiation is just this, Pay, pay this road guy road grade or whatever his name is i don't even know i didn't i watched that game on mute didn't care about it um more power to him but louisville has to win this game for college football if we want a chance at getting four competent teams in there louisville has to win um i think louisville will win i i think this is uh, unlike against florida i i i think florida state has a by far and a way better roster, but Louisville has better. Uh, it's hard for me to say better coaching because Florida State was on their way to just being undefeated, beat LSU. But um, quarterback, just give me quarterback. And at this time of the year, quarterback. I, I, I like Keon Coleman a hell of a lot. Keon Coleman will be the best player on this field. And I know I'm kind of going against my logic I used for Florida State versus Florida last week, but I. That there's just more to play for here, and Louisville has demonstrated an ability to play explosive, good football. And if they get a couple of scores on top of this Florida State team, uh, Florida State's really going to struggle. So I'm I'm kind of just predicting the game scripts as Louisville maybe getting a couple of quick points uh, and and being able to bear down with their defense. But I'm picking this more because we, as as a collective, we need Florida State to lose so that we have four good teams otherwise whoever the one seed is basically gets a one week bye um in the playoffs so come on please louisville i've never rooted for you before except for every time you play kentucky and anything but please this time please please this time if you win i'll hook you back up with rick patino's uh guy you know what i'm talking about i'll get his number i'll pass it on to you please come on just win this game yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't hate it I just, I'm just mad, just bitter because it's not NC State. Just that we should have fucking beaten them at Carter Fidley. Gotta hate Louisville. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Uh, there's no deserving teams in the ACC this year. No, and, that, and, and, and Jordan and, Travis. Yeah, I mean that that's going to be a whole. I'll probably do a 
diatribe on that in a future sh- near future show is why are NC State fans happy about like why does NC State think they've turned a corner with how they did this year? Like, but 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 that's that's a that's a discussion for another day. Especially um, if that defensive coordinator leaves, Dave Dern, you better find a new head coaching job now because that's what kept you above water this year. Yeah, man. Yeah, big big Tony Gibson fans here on this show. Uh, but here we are in the anyway. Uh, the uh, I'll roll you into this one. Um, it's the it's the big one. It's it seems like a yearly tradition at this point. Bama versus Georgia in the SEC championship game, um, and uh, I guess it's better than both of them being in the playoffs. So we're we're getting somewhere for the rest of the SEC. Uh, I I don't know, I don't know. I I flip back and forth on this one a couple of times because there's it's like I trust Nick Saban more, but then I'm like, okay, well Kirby Smart's beaten in the last couple of times and. You know, Kirby Smart has the, the the best brand in football right now. Um, but then you just don't you don't quite know how Carson Beck is gonna handle it, how anybody on that team really is gonna handle it. Uh, you know, coming out of the Georgia Tech game, I certainly feel a little bit less comfortable with Georgia. Uh of course, then we got a flashback to what Alabama did last week and they needed a fucking thirty one yard absolute prayer from the football gods to beat Auburn who no less than a week before had got their shit stomped in by New Mexico state. So I don't really know where to go with this. I'm taking the incumbent. That's the best I can do here. I'm taking the incumbent. Um, I'm looking for the spread Georgia right now, five and a half point favorites seems fair. This seems like about a touchdown game one way or the other. Um, I'm going Georgia, and I think if Georgia wins, it clears up a lot of this playoff chaos that people want to happen. Uh, the problem is it's it's still Nick Saban. They may have the – I don't know. They may have a quarterback advantage, not not in terms of passing, but in terms of um, being able to make something happen. If if something else gets shut down, Milrow can at least still run. Um, so I like, the, I like Bama's flexibility, but I, I just – I, I like Georgia's temperament this year. It's been very, very professional. It has been very businesslike, uh, and I expect that to happen. One day when the SEC expands, we will stop having these godforsaken games in Atlanta, um, but this is another one of those things where, where are they playing it, Luke? They're playing it in Georgia. Give me the dogs. Well, the SEC championship just announced today they're re-upping with Atlanta for up until 2031, so... Uh, I can, you can, uh, you can, we can put that one to bed for, uh, for another eight years. Great. Uh, Where do I go to fall asleep for eight years? <laughs> go watch Oppenheimer. That shit will put you right to sleep. <laughs> I, I, need, I need, I need one of these in Nashville. That way, I, that way we can taunt Vandy. <laughs> that would be great. Um, one player. No, I, but, I think out. they'll be done with the stadium by 2031. So that's viable. Yeah. 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 And Titans have a new stadium coming, coming soon, but. One player I have not shouted out for Georgia all season long. Kicker Peyton Woodring. He has not missed a field goal attempt since the South Carolina game in week three. Um, he has been rock solid. And that was another another question mark coming in this year, the kicking game, replacing Jack Podlesny, who was also just gold, you know, just just gold with 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 with, with field goals. Um, this game's gonna come down to kicking. It's gonna be close. Um, just shout out to my one of my pregame hosts, Kevin Butler, legendary dogs kicker. Haven't really talked kicking on this show at all, but Peyton Woodring has been just a a solid, damn solid kicker for for the dogs this year. Very reliable. Anytime we get in, inside the 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 thirty yard line, it's a guaranteed three points. Um, if if we can't find the end zone, so 
Um, give me, give me, give me the dogs uh, with with a late field goal. I'm not saying it's going to be at the gun, um, but just a late field goal uh, pressure kick by Woodring. Um, and just for that matter, Alabama's got a great kicking game too. Will Riker's been there forever. Um, so that just the little thing. It's going to come down to the little things here in this ball game. Um, and and I just I, I don't know. I'm hoping for a really good one. Taking the dogs though. Um, taking us to to get to the CFP once again, making myself thirty and OS producer. Um, so can't can't not go with them. But yeah, this is this is definitely the. It's like getting to a level of a video game you hardly ever fight because we don't play Bama in the regular season. So it, it's 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 different. It's like in Super Smash Brothers when the on the N sixty four when you're fighting the big hand like that big hand that you never you can't play with them during the regular game. But there's that final boss and they're that final boss of conference season is Alabama. Um, you know, mentor versus mentee, Kirby versus the Saban, but dogs by three. Yeah, I wish I was playing your video game. I keep coming across the bosses in the middle of my gameplay, so <laughs> fucking sucks. But quick, quick note before we, uh, you, you guys know I love uh, the ticket price stats. So, um, just a real funny one here for you. We have picked uh, this is this is ten championship games. You can go to all nine other non-SEC championship games for $248. It will cost you 324 games alone to go to the SEC championship game. So I'm just going to say it one more time. It just means more. Yes, it does mean more, and it will mean a lot, a lot, this this uh, this game. I like that it's in the middle of the day, too. Uh, just that, that it's four o'clock, t- four o'clock. I think four ten is the official kickoff time. Uh, so you, you hope that maybe there's a 10 minute delay in there. Um, so it can kick it at the witching Luke, hour, but we're going to need you to go on location and streak <laughs> pregame for about Dude, 10 oh, minutes. Oh, I, 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 Adam Gillespie, our engineer, I can just get in his ear and just be like, Hey, Hey Adam, just, just, you know, just run on the field, man. Just run on the field. He, he, he would, he will understand. He, he will understand the reasoning behind why we need a 10 minute delay uh, for, for this game, but um, be, be like Adam, <laughs> but yeah, man, just, just really looking forward to it. And that all, that's a, a full, it's still a full Saturday of football. I mean, it's not as many games, not you know, We won't have the crazy four, you know, four, four games at once going, but still day, you know, sun up to sundown, really Friday night to Saturday night, but just football starting with that, that pack 12 game that we think is going to be really good. And really good weekend if you have attention deficit because there's not a lot of distractions on in every window. So you can focus on a game. Yep. And now we have reached halftime here on this episode of the right hash episode number 18 of season number three. We just, just wrapping up regular season number three here on the right hash. Want to remind everybody that uh, pending our recording session time, we will have a, a, uh, another, another episode of the right hosh coming out. Uh, in, in, in probably in a few days, um, we're probably going to push that recording session back. Um, but look for that early next week with Rob Jordan. Lots of lots of soccer to get to. Um, but I have another uh, another roast to do here on this uh, this episode as we get to halftime and the fantasy football recap because I took down Armand Kuchecki this past week in the right hash league. Um, took down Rob Jordan. Um, Alex got the better of me last week, but I'm back to my winning ways. And that's just that just feels really good when I just when I get that dub, especially over a Kucheki, because it's just it just feels a little bit sweeter. You know, the 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 the, the victory champagne tastes a little bit better, uh, and it just it just carries a little bit more weight when you win over somebody with that last name. Yeah, I mean, which depending on the season is pretty often, um, but every once in a while the Kuchekis would rise up and and, and threaten the championship. 
Um, you know, I, I was looking at this one. You were projected to win by like 0.5 or something like that. So it, it's fitting that that was a, a close matchup there at the end. Um, did you ha- did you have a Monday night guy win it for you or um, how did how did your matchup matriculate? Um, God, what was Monday night football this last week? It was uh, Bears and Vikings. Um, no, I actually I didn't have anybody on either of those teams. You uh, had Colcomet. Oh, I did have Cole Komet. I switched him out because he's he's on a bye this week, so he wasn't reflected. I did have Cole Komet. You're right, um, but I was still sweating it out. You know, I was still I was still yeah. like, yeah, you know, I still I, I wasn't sure, wasn't sure. He had um, he had Dobbs. Unfortunately, Dobbs cost him. Yeah, that, that okay. Yes, that, it's coming back to me. I was worried. I was like, damn, Dobbs. He's gonna beat me because he's got Dobbs, and Dobbs is gonna cook the Bears defense. But the Bears defense ended up cooking Dobbs. So, oh, and, and two two of the Vikings receivers also cooked Dobbs. That is correct. Um, but I, you know, to, to, I'm just glad to get the win. I'm just glad to get the win, man. Uh, blessed. Hashtag blessed. Um, still I, in fifth place. I unfortunately, I, I had the unfortunate uh, duty of playing the high scorer of the week, which, by the way, I'm calling shenanigans. 1.6666. Tell me something's not up with that Catholic McCaffrey. Um, oh, oh. Tell me something's not up there. That's some. That's this some. Is some there's some Da Vinci code shit up in here, man. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you got to break out Tom Hanks to beat me by all means, I guess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, J- Justin Fields let me down. Um, I That's really about it. Uh, Riley, Riley Patterson having a goose egg wasn't helpful. So Connor, if you could, you know, tap into the locker room and say, hey, man, um, it goes between the yellow sticks. <laughs> like, okay, uh, remind him of that. But I mean, there was just nothing I could do. Like Tre- Trevor Lawrence and the Calvin Ridley stack for the first time of the year finally really goes off. Uh, fucking uh, Arthur Smith remembers that Bijan Robinson's on the team the week that I'm playing against him. All right, cool. <laughs> I thought um, that was hilarious. It's like, all right, I, I'm 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 helpless here. The one point six 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 really makes sense when you when you add that part in. Arthur Smith remembered to use Brian Robinson. Um, rush touchdown and a receiving touchdown. What the hell, man? That's uh, no, no. But anyway, um, I moved down into sixth. Roth stays uh in third. Um, still, still anybody's game. Still a couple more weeks. Uh, I want to say we've got two, three more weeks, including this one. I am playing uh Coach K this week. We are both tied at five and seven. League standings right now. I would need some shit to go really wrong above me in three weeks, considering I have a two-point hole to third through fifth place. But I have the points four above all of you. So if I get above you or if I get tied with you, I'm winning the tiebreaker. Um, so I'm coming for you, Roth. Sad Gamecock and my esteemed co-host, Big Huge Dicks, uh, Luke Ned Carney. I'm coming for you. Stay out of my way. Uh, Coach K, you could do me a real solid here. Uh, just take the knee. Uh, I'll beat Luke. Uh, I'll I'll beat Luke indirectly for you if you just get me to the playoffs. So take the knee, be a pal. Um, let's do it. And other matchups this week. Well, my matchup. I've got an inter Learfield intra Learfield matchup with Zach Burhans. 
ETN with flowers um, right now. I'm projected as a five point favorite. I, I still have to get, get my hands in and set the line. I don't have anybody in the, in the game tonight. So I, I have time. Uh, I have time to set my lineups. Um, Alex Roth takes on Carlos, Nicole and Mike Barlow. That's a nine versus four matchup. Uh, Carlos got a win last week, by the way. Good, good job, Carlos. Um, three, that's three wins on the season. And then the big one at the top though, you've got the big one at the top. Uncle Keith is alone in first place uh, against Rob Jordan who has more points than he does, but is a game below. So if Rob wins that game, he will jump Uncle Keith for first place again. But Uncle Keith with a chance to get a two-game lead in the standings with, as Alex said, uh, two weeks to go after this. So a golden opportunity for the Seneca Chiefs to, uh, to just just chop on a little bit. Um, he's He's been the most consistent performer in our league this uh, through the, the, the two years that we've done it. So... Um, you know, talk about incumbents. I mean, he, he came finished in second last year. Looks like he's out for blood this season. Absolutely. I don't know what his secret is, but um, he's he's doing well, much better than our than than the co-host of his favorite show. <laughs> well, those are the fantasy matchups, and once again, we like to plug the uh, the r- episode of the Right Hosh uh, with Rob Jordan, of course, uh, Queen Lizzie's Revenge. Uh, the whole the whole gang is represented in this league. Um, that'll come earlier or er- early next week. Uh, lots of lots of EPL to recap. Um, just lots of, and we have a fun discussion topic regarding bicycle kicks that we will we'll get to in that show. Halftime is over. Let's get back to the show. Third quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. Here we are, third quarter, a little bit uh, lighter of a of a second half on this show today. Um, just with uh, with we wanted to be a little bit more college heavy because we're we're running out of college football. We'll still have NFL for another month or so following the conclusion of college football season, regular season this weekend. And um, well, one more thing as we we begin this third quarter, last college thing to get to. I'm um, at state at halftime, but we will be reprising the right hash bull bash on ESPN.com this season. So the bull pickums on be on the lookout for a link. Once those matchups are revealed this weekend, um, we'll, we'll be hitting that pretty quickly after the, the bull pairings come out. Um, so we want everybody to have as plenty of time and as much time as possible to make the picks and potentially win a prize and some bragging rights. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Me too. I, I don't remember who won it last year. It was, it was a listener. Um, but yeah, no cost to you and you could win, you know, uh, a, a nominal price so uh get involved anyway so i still need to get zachary mcgee his prize from the uh the right hash bracket smash or uh whatever it was but uh, that's that's just me uh that's me being lazy and forgetful anyway uh we're on to the nfl discussion here nfl potpourri um biggest change for me for my team Del- jack del rio fired as defensive coordinator of the washington commanders this was expected 45 to 10 loss against the cowboys in which the defense just kind of quit in the second half um, there was no two ways around it, and you, you saw this coming a mile away. Um, you weren't sure if it was going to be Ron Rivera getting to go with him, uh, but it was Del Rio and defensive coach, defensive backs coach Brett Wieselmeyer. Um, and uh, Rivera is just going to be taking over the the defense now. I don't think this is going to have any major market market effect on 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 this defense. They've already traded away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. 
been kind of tough to get to the quarterback these these last few games, as you might expect. But just this is this is the canary in the coal mine for Washington. It, it, there's going to be a house cleaning. They've got the bobs in the facility. I mean, let's just say the bobs are interviewing people right now um, over these next five weeks. Um, every Sunday, it's it's going to be a meeting with the bobs. What would you say you actually do here? Um, and you know, Jack Del Rio didn't didn't do shit basically, and that's why he doesn't have this job anymore. Um, and Ron Rivera is probably the next guy who's gonna they're gonna say, "What would you do here?" And he doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of an answer because the only time he's gone to the playoffs was with a losing record in a crappy division. So just that that's kind of the the next checkbox uh, for this this slow tear down and rebuild that Josh Harris and company are going to do in Washington. Um, so they've got, you know, they've got Miami coming to town this week. Uh, that's going to we'll pick that game. We won't pick that game. Actually. Uh, I, I, I said to leave that game off, so we won't pick that game, but, um, you know, it's just, I'm just another challenge this week with, uh, these defensive backs playing that offense with, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle and company coming to town. Um, that that's, it's not, not going to be fun, I think, but at least it's, it's at least a step in the front office recognizing like, yeah, what we're doing here isn't sustainable. We need to make changes. And I like, I like that we're starting to make changes with games still left. Um, I, I don't think there was value in just playing it out to the end and then cleaning house with everybody. There's, there's gotta be some message sent that like, Hey, you know, we're, 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 we're going to be making changes after every game, maybe if, if things don't go right. So, um, you know, kind of every, everybody's under the microscope. Uh, there's very few players I think that are safe. Um, from potentially getting cut in the offseason and, and to say nothing of the coaching staff. So that's that's the update from Washington. Um, and Alex, as you said on the day it got fired, now our teams are linked. We have both fired Jack Del Rio. They fired, they fired Michael and Samir. Um, I, yeah, this is just one of those. Uh, they're not ripping the Band-Aid off. They're peeling the Band-Aid off slowly. We know where it's heading. The Band-Aid's coming off. Uh, Ron Rivera does not he knows he knows he's i tell you what he's not hanging pictures in his office um he's 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 gone um be interested to see where he winds up landing um yes i'm i'm already assuming he's done there's no way you fire all the defensive coaches around him and keep a defensive head coach uh especially after this season so you know i i i'm not gonna say this is a warning to the fans i think it's kind of a uh, an appeasement to like, oh, yeah, this is where we're going. We're just making sure we do it right. Or don't don't want to burn bridges, you know, uh, doing it the adult way. Not like David Tepper is like, you've been here for 10 games. Fuck you. Get out of here. Um, uh, you know, I, I like I like a slower uh, approach in this case, uh, especially with uh, with a guy like Ron Rivera. So um, he's, he's going to be gone. He, he will not be the head coach next year, but uh, had to happen. You know, you don't ship out Chase Young and Montez Sweat for peanuts and keep the head coach and say, let's rebuild this bad boy. You've done such a good job so far. Um, and yeah, now, now we finally have that, the 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 blood brother, we both fired the same guy uh, bond that one can only get by hiring Jack Del Rio. So no, um, he's got a full, he's got a full year to go work for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. So <laughs> well, just in time, perfect timing for us to get rid of him. <laughs> what's 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 his son doing? What's Luke up to? Luke, Luke I think I thought Luke actually worked for the team actually as a quality control assistant. Um, but uh, I don't know what he's doing now. Awkward. <laughs> Maybe he can play quarterback. Shit. <laughs> but uh, I, I am I am interested to see what happens with Eric Bieniemy too because I don't think he's going to get fired. But I think he might be looking no. and say like, "Hey, I I should go look for another job somewhere." <laughs> like well, if, organization. If, 
if he's not promoted. Right. But even if he is, I mean, he even if he's not he's not just going to be a Washington candidate. He he could you know if we've already had have we have we had a team fire their coach? I mean, we we I don't think we have. Uh, but uh, you know the Chargers are going to fire their coach. I mean, Brandon the Panthers Sta- fired their coach. Oh, they did. That's right. They that's right. Frank Reich is gone. Uh, but like you know, Brandon Staley is going to be gone at the end of the season. Like L A. You know, Eric Bieniemy out in L A. working with Justin Herbert. Like that. That's that's a that's a that's an angle I think at least some of the league media will take. But but I definitely think Bieniemy is not. He's far from only on Washington's radar. Um, even with how this season's gone, you know, he's. I think he's still going to get looks. Um, but I, I, I it, that would be my choice. I mean, it really would be just to to promote an offensive minded head coach for a quarterback, a gunslinging quarterback that's still on a rookie deal. I mean, we still have Sam Howell on the rookie deal for two more seasons. So, and good support I, pieces. You got to yeah, I mean, for I, and I would like to say, I, I would like to see. I should say not say. I would like to see our next head coach, whether it's Eric Bieniemy or somebody else, be an offensive minded head coach. I think that's just a natural transition from when you have a guy like Rivera. You know, you've seen, you saw the Broncos do the same thing: fire Vic Fangio, hire Sean Payton. Uh, so I, I kind of, I would like, I would like it, an offensive minded head coach. Yeah, I mean, the the importance here to note is um, the the Panthers are probably in a in a rush, but the guy that they're hiring isn't. If you're hiring a guy who's available right now, you you shouldn't have fired Frank Reich. Um, Washington's not going to make their head coaching move because. You know, presumably, either their candidate is in house and Eric Bieniemy, or it's going to be, uh, you know, an offensive coordinator of Detroit like Ben Johnson, or um, you know, uh, Byron Leftwich. Names get thrown around all the time. Um, the, the, those guys are not going to be available until after the season is over, at least to talk to. Um, so, no, no real reason to fire Ron Rivera right now. Uh, I think the Panthers just kind of wanted to get the taste out of their mouth uh, and maybe move on from whatever's happening with Frank Reich. Who would have thought hiring a coach that had just been fired by a bad team was a bad idea? Who who could have seen that happening? I don't think I'm, I don't think David Tepper actually knows anything about sports. I just I just I don't think he like I just don't think he pays attention. Like he's just as long as the team is making money and my bottom line is fine. Like I that guy that guy's fucking nuts, man. I feel he, bad for he's, Panthers fans. Yeah, he's Jerry Jones without any idea of what happens in football. Right. I mean, then like, and without, yeah, without, without like any kind of like NFL savvy, like any sports savvy. It's just, it's, it's embarrassing watching this team function. Like, I feel, I, again, I, it takes a lot for me to feel bad for like sports fans from this state because I hate the Hurricanes and I hate UNC. I'm not like, I don't really like anyone except NC State, but goddamn, man, like, I feel bad for this team's fan base. Same. <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like that, they're catching their comeuppance from that random like keep pounding or whatever uh, couple of seasons they have where they were just obnoxious for no reason. But still, really, no fan base should have to go through this. Like, there's there's maybe one or two we would each wish this directly upon. Anybody else, you don't wish this on. Yeah, it's one, just you know, one win. Like one, and it was against it was against Houston on a winning field. It was like it was against a team that I wish they had not beaten because I like I, I like this Texans like core that they have like CJ Stroud. I'm like, why did they have to get that win against a team that's like up and coming? I know I know they're in your division, but like, yeah, man, I don't I don't know. I, I, fuck fuck the Panthers, man. I, I just I, I think I think that they will be that will be one of the less coveted head coaching jobs in 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 the offseason. I, I feel like who who wants to work with David Tepper at this point? 
Like it's got just, a lot it's of money. Just, it's like such a toxic environment. Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw it in Denver. Just Walt, you know, the Walton family just rolled out the blank check for Sean Payton. I wonder if this could be a similar situation where Tepper tries to make a huge splash with a, a guy that's, you know, either won a Super Bowl or is very recognizable to NFL uh, eyes and ears. So that's that's you know that's a coaching search that's gotten a head start on. Kind of. I mean, he can't talk to the players he wants to. I mean, coaches he wants to talk to though. Yeah. Like yeah, you, you can't you can't talk to any active coach. That's tampering, and you lose picks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. He, so that's kind of what I'm saying. Like that they, they fired Reich to get the bad taste out of their mouth, but they can't do anything with it unless they want to go hire. I'm trying to think who were like some of the f- formerly fired coaches that maybe would come back. Oh like, man, who, who, who are who are this year's Sean Payton's? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, like yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I would say, I mean, no one from the Texans, millions of coaches they've had over the years. Um, I mean, is Bill Belichick going to be available next season? Like, who, you still can't, you still can't <laughs> talk to him yet. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm just trying to uh, think of anyone they could like have, they could be texting right John, now. I'm is John Fox, just John Fox out there. John Fox, second tour of duty in Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, it, there's been significantly worse. Uh, yeah. a, a guy that I've been saying um, since last year was Steve Wilkes, and I, I think yeah. they can talk to Steve Wilkes. Um, they're they're not going to because David Tepper is more proud than he is smart. Um, but everyone else that I've looked in terms of like who the quote unquote potential candidates are for a lot of these jobs this year, um, they're all active assistants um, or. I mean, the Panthers aren't getting an active NFL head coach. Uh, no one, no one is taking that downgrade, um, except for I don't know, maybe whoever's in New York maybe would come down, or you know, some of these, like you said, Bill Belichick, some of these places that are just imploding from within. But even then, you still can't talk to him for, you know, God, like six weeks. Um, yeah, they can so talk to just, Dave Doran. Oh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's one. Oh yeah, that's um, a good one. That's a good one. I I've looked up a list, so I'm not coming off coming up with these. Raheem Morris, Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, um, but I I think he's he's active. So yeah, he's um, with the Vikings. Matt Nagy, um, Jim Bill Jim Mora Jr., <laughs> Bill O'Brien, Chip Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna see another Chip Kelly experiment in the NFL. Nick Saban, um, I don't know. <laughs> Kirby Smart. Let's just let's just name let's just name successful coaches. How about that? <laughs> Steve come, Spurrier. He did so well in Washington. Come on, Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, fantastic name. That would fit. That would definitely fit here in in fucking North Kakalaki. <laughs> I've I've got the autograph jersey ready to go. Oh my god. Is uh is he a Tennessee guy? Yes, he is. Am I, I got a Jim Bob Okay, I got a Jim Bob Cooter, Tennessee jersey, man. Oh man. Well, I had one other talking point on this this quarter three here, and this is something you brought up. I don't know, maybe a month ago. Just the 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 difference in perception between Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. Um, and the reason I bring this up specifically this week is because Buffalo just lost in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. Dallas lost in Philadelphia and I'm just I'm just kind of seeing like or or hearing it it is more of the same it kind of it really kind of illustrates the point you were making that anytime 
something negative happens with Josh Allen, like losing a close game in Philadelphia, he's not going to get the kind of blame that Dak Prescott is going to get. You saw how that Cowboys-Eagles game ended a few weeks ago. Dallas was down on the goal line to score the game-winning touchdown, and they didn't end up doing it. And all that fell back on Dak Prescott. Now, not all this responsibility falls back on Josh Allen for Philly coming back and winning this game, nor, nor should it. But I'm just saying, I think we're seeing, we're still actually seeing this. You know, I'm not hearing the criticism of Josh Allen all week that I would be hearing of Dak Prescott. And it wouldn't even have to be relevant to the game that they just played. If Dak Prescott lost a big game like that, you would be hearing his all week about how you know he's not clutch or he's not accurate enough or he doesn't tuck the ball and run enough, even if he had done that in the game where, you know, in that game he had just played. You hear all the time about, it's like, oh, Josh Allen is such a great decision maker. He knows when to pull the ball down and run. You know, he knows when to do this. He knows when to do that. And I, I think I think just this continues that saga here. Now, what do I think Buffalo should have won the game? Yeah, I think Buffalo should have won the game. But I, I, I'm not like we're, I'm still not gonna like hear like oh Josh Allen, this is all falling on Josh Allen the way it all falls on Dak Prescott when we when we uh we you know, the the Cowboys lose a game and, and the other way around like if if Dallas put up four if, excuse me if Buffalo put up 45 points on Thanksgiving we'd probably be hearing all about Josh Allen. Uh, and we're we're not hearing as much about Dak Prescott, I think, as we should be, because Dak Prescott was the best player on the field on Thursday for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, just picked Washington apart, and I feel like he doesn't get that kind of credit when he has an actual good game uh, like he did on Thursday. And he was eating turkey before the game was even over. Like you got to be doing, you got to have a pretty good game to do that. And I, I I just I don't think I don't think that we get that same treatment of Josh Allen the same way you know the same way you brought it up a month ago. So. I just thought, thought having that game at Philadelphia that came down to the last minute or in overtime in Buffalo's case, that really kind of picked at the scab of how both the, we, you know, the, 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 the Royal, we look at both of these quarterbacks. And I'm going to go one further Luke, because the first article I saw after that game was from sports illustrated and it's titled Josh Allen's MVP performance lost by coaching, officiating, kicking in Buffalo Bills week 12 loss. And then the next day, Yahoo Sports, the struggling Bills are wasting an MVP level season from Josh Allen. These are two of the biggest sports sites out there that are printing this garbage. Because I won, not only did I have I obviously agreed for a while, Dak Prescott, like you said, deserves his flowers when he does well. Because there is not a fucking quarterback in the NFL that gets more blowback when he plays poorly, which has been too often, honestly. But when he plays well, and C.D. Lamb is number two in the NFL for receiving yards and touchdowns and all these statistics, and they lost Dalton Schultz, and they've come in with three new tight ends that he's all incorporating, and they lost Zeke, and they're figuring out how to use fucking Rico Dowdle back there at running back sometimes. Winning games down the stretch, coming together, crickets. Josh Allen loses a game. And he moves up in the MVP rankings. 
and it is frustrating bullshit. It is the same bullshit that I was talking about in the college side with Caleb Williams and Colorado and these people pushing headlines more importantly than they're pushing facts, information, and reality. And it's bullshit. And you know how I know it's bullshit? Because I just heard Luke give credit to a Cowboys quarterback. That That's my litmus test. If Luke ultimately comes around and says, yeah, man, Dak is playing really well. He deserves the credit. He's eating turkey. He destroyed us. Are you guys not watching this? Then I know, yep, Every everything is wrong with what is happening in reporting and journalism, at least in Sports Illustrated and Yahoo Sports. But there's a site called Touchdown Wire who motherfucking has Josh Allen number one in their MVP uh, list. It's like, are you people watching these games? He's not even the best Josh Allen this year. It's like movies, man. It's like quarterbacks are like movies in the like NFL quarterbacks are there. It's movies like people haven't seen fucking like I feel like a lot of people who think like Barbie and Oppenheimer were the two best movies of the of the summer didn't actually fucking see those movies. It's the same thing here. Like how many how many of these experts have like sat down and watched Josh Allen play like I got to see it against Washington when they beat the shit out of us and he had a really good game. And then like a couple weeks later, they played the Giants at home and Josh Allen has a fucking terrible game. Like, and I think that was the game that prompted this, you know, this discussion of Josh Allen versus Dak Prescott. It's just like, there's so much like social engineering to put it in your head that Josh Allen at the beginning of the season is an MVP candidate. And there's no way that he can't be. And then you get to the middle of the season. You're like, this guy's not playing that well. It's like when I get to the middle of a movie that someone's told me to watch because they think I'll like it. And I'll be like, this is boring. Like, this isn't getting me. Like, this is not doing anything for me. And that's just how I feel about Josh Allen right now. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott is like that that movie with the the explosions and the the battle scenes and the action. And, and it's fun to watch. And you're like, oh, this is actually good filmmaking. Josh Allen is that critically acclaimed movie that you fall asleep in the theater. And I'm not going to say it's terrible movie's name again, that I almost actually fell asleep in the theater this summer. Uh, but it's just, it, it is, watch, yeah, watch the games. And don't just look at numbers, watch the games. And watch how Dak Prescott gives the Cowboys a chance to win every Sunday. Josh Allen, he, I don't, I, I, the rest of his team gives him a chance to win. I mean, Dallas is a really great defense, but, you know, Josh, Josh Allen is throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. Like, that's, you know, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, there's weapons out the ass on that team. I think better weapons on that team than there are on Dallas's offense. So, yeah, man, it's just I, I feel like this could be like a, a weekly thing now with uh with, with we might need to, to name the segment something with Josh Allen versus Dak Prescott because like this is this is I'm catching the fever here. Can can you tell, dude? It, but it, it's one of those things that what you once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like let, listen, yes. listen to this this Josh Allen MVP season. 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns. Dak Prescott, 2,900 yards, 23 touchdowns. But wait, Josh Allen, 13 interceptions. Dak Prescott, six. Yeah. Tell man. me how. Tell me how this is close. And and I'm gonna go you one fucking further. Let's talk about who the Bills have beaten this year: the Raiders, the Commanders, the Giants, the Bucks, and the second time the Jets. And uh, the the one Miami game that everyone's going to cling to, 
let's look at who they've lost to. The Jets. The Jags in England. The Patriots. Cincinnati. That's probably the best game they played all year was a loss to Cincinnati, honestly. Denver. And then last week, uh, maybe their best game of the year. That's negotiable. Um, At Philly. Close one. I I give them credit. Close one. And they've looked better with some of the staff changes they've made on offense in the middle of the season. Going to give credit where credit is due. The offense certainly looks better. Um, But what what are we what are we talking about? Like uh, are are we what what are we basing any praise of Josh Allen on? Um, I mean, we, we can look at rushing, and I'll give him credit there. He's got nine touchdowns, um, three hundred. But I mean, three hundred forty-two yards on the ground. It's not like he's had a lot of them, but it's also got four fumbles. And I, I look at Dak. Yeah, he's only got two touchdowns. He's only fumbled it once, and he didn't lose it. Like, everyone wants to talk about Dak Prescott as this, you know, uh, this atomic weapon that is is doomed or or, or uh, doomed to blow up at any time and just be destructive. You're talking about the wrong guy. That's Josh Allen, who was responsible for 16 turnovers himself this year. We've played 12 games, 16 turnovers. We've what are we talking about? We've been making a mistake this segment. We've been calling him Josh Allen, not Bill's Josh Allen. Bill's Josh yeah. Allen. Sorry. So, so we apologize to our listeners who think we've been talking about the real Josh Allen. Sorry. Well, sorry. Well, the- Defensive player of the week, Josh Allen. I'm I'm Josh Allen. Yes, I'm the real Allen. All you other Josh Allens are just <laughs> so won't the real Josh Allen please stand up? Please stand up. I'm done singing. I'm I, uh, that, That's a bad idea. I shouldn't do that. Have anymore. you Have you heard that song uh, by uh, Josh Allen Ant Farm? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, it's called Smooth Criminal, and it's how Josh Allen uh, is going to steal an MVP from someone who deserves it. <laughs> Bill's Josh Allen. Bill's Josh Smooth Criminal. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, glad you brought it up. We still got to get to the Jags. It was always the Jags. Got got a monkey off of our back. We have not done well in Houston. So much so that you and I both picked. The Texans last week. Um, it's still an L-biter. Still an L-biter. And I, it's it's so weird how much I have hated Houston pretty much my entire NFL life. And then they get competitive with the Jags. I kind of like them. Not as, not, not as my team, but I just kind of like, like, I just kind of like that team. If if I was in an alternate universe and was in the fans for portal, like after Peyton Manning retired, and I, I get to choose for myself who I'm going to lock down as my team for the rest of the my life, if if that was happening this year, I'd probably be a Houston fan. Uh, I got to be honest, it, it would be really really tough not to. I think they've got players who are just super fun to watch, fresh blood, like the news, the squabble touchdown celebration. I mean, CJ Stroud's one thing, but yeah, like Noah Brown has kind of had a renaissance or at least kind of established tank Dell, uh, maybe, you know, outside candidate for rookie of the year uh, in the, in the AFC. Um, So that's, you know, that's another guy. And and the defense has has played pretty well too. That's Devin Singletary. I mean, yeah, Devin Singletary just, he just, just kind of, he was he was a nobody. He was just he was just kind of cast off that Buffalo roster because there was no room, 
and boom, there he is in, in Houston, kind of having a renaissance too. So it, it, it's, cool. it's cool. It is cool. Uh, former and, cowboy, yeah. I mean, and per- personally, like I, I just like D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. He just seems like he's doing everything right. He reminds me of Steve Wilkes, and not because of that reason that you're all thinking, but he's just one of those guys that he played there, and you can tell takes a different level of care and interest in that job. It's why I think Carolina should have stuck with Steve Wilkes the entire time because he was a fucking Carolina Panther. That team played a different way with the same roster when he was there, but it's happening in Houston. No, they don't have the same roster. They had a lot of picks. They've used them really well, and they're making an impact early. But this team has a swagger that D'Amico Ryans carries into a building. It is a swagger and a confidence, and you can tell. I I, I was certain. I was certain the Jags were, at the very best, going to make it to overtime when Houston got the ball back at the end of that game. And if it wasn't for Matt Amendola cross-barring a 58-yarder, it, it would have gone to overtime. They were, they're a team that's confident. And I know we're – they started talking about the Jags, but I, I just want to I, I want to praise Houston for what they're doing and remind you all, they're doing this at Houston, who haven't been good. I mean, you can take a Deshaun Watson year, but I'm going to say have not been fundamentally good since Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson were in Houston. That was a long time ago. Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan throwing punches is a decade and a half ago. That's the last time I think they were a legitimate franchise. They're back to that. And it sucks because the Jags are finally getting a foothold in this division. And it's not going to be for long. We got this year. And now, I mean, next year, I'd be surprised if we're, we're definitely not going to be runaway favorites. The Texans are going to get a lot of votes to win this division next year. Um, so I, I just I, I want to give them credit for what they're doing right now. Um, funnily enough, if uh, there's another team in the South that's not getting talked about, if playoffs started today, the Indianapolis Colts would actually be the second team in the playoffs from the AFC South due to tiebreakers. Um, and nobody's talking about them with Gardner Minshew and backup duty, Jonathan Taylor missing for half of the season. Most of the season, and he's back out with a fucking thumb injury. What the hell is that? But anyway, they're six and five, and they're that they're a threat. I mean, the AFC South might have three teams in the playoffs in the AFC, and nobody's talking about it because it's a division that hasn't mattered. But this is a more competitive division than uh, any other division, probably in the NFL, AFC North, maybe. I don't know. I was um, going to say, I was going to say the AFC South is no longer that, you know, oh, oh shucks. Look at, look at the little kids table division. It, this this is, they, they've got three legit teams now. I, I think, you know, and, yeah, the Titans are, are what they are, but Shane Steichen, man, that's a, that was a great, great hire by Indianapolis and they don't even have their starting QB. Nope. But so. that, that they made the heady decision and said, look, we got a guy who's probably going to run and not have an idea of how to slide yet. How about we have us a really good backup ready to go? And Gardner Minshew was right there. He hasn't been perfect, but he has been very similar to what he was in Jacksonville, except for he has a lot better toys to work with in Indianapolis. And he's he's put it to work. They haven't done great against the really good teams they played, but they're six and five. Like the Colts are six and five without Anthony Richardson. They they were picking number four. They don't even have the guy they picked, and they're already doing better. They're they're a playoff team right now. So I say yeah. all that to say, 
the Jags are eight and three amongst that. This isn't an eight and three that is like you just beating up on the Titans, the Texans, and the Colts. This is an eight and three of you have played very serious teams pretty much every week. That there have not been easy games for the Jaguars by and large this season. And that is about to change because we play one borderline legitimate quarterback the rest of this season. And we're eight and three. We play Jake Browning, whoever the fuck Cleveland has in two weeks. Lamar Jackson is the one legit one. We play Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, and whoever is starting for Tennessee in six weeks. We have one legitimate quarterback left on the roster, on the schedule. The Jags should win five at least of their next six games. I'll even throw maybe a Cleveland defense steals a game in there at Cleveland. Four. That's going to be a 12-win season for the Jags where they don't have – I mean, there are almost – go look at their schedule. There are almost no weeks off in this based on where where the playoffs are right now. There, We have almost nobody – under 500 on this roster. I mean, on, on this schedule. And they're, they're, I mean, 12 wins right now should be the the Vegas target. Over under 12 wins, I would say 12 and a half maybe is where it should be set because they should win four or five of these next six games, no questions asked. And it it's all coming to a head at the perfect time because since 2011, the Jaguars have not been featured on Monday Night Football. And they are featuring on Monday Night Football this week. We will pick that game at the very end of the pick segment where it belongs. Um, but that that's just, it's mind-blowing to me. It sucks that it's not going to be Joe Burrow on the other side. I would much rather see that. But from a win perspective, I mean, since, since he's not coming into Duval, Monday Night Football for the first time since 2011 and beating us with Jake Browning. It's a great time to be alive if you're a Jaguars fan. No matter what's going on in the division, honestly, I prefer to have a good division. I prefer these games to mean something. I prefer to there be um I prefer to have weight behind wins. If we, when we beat Houston, it should feel like we beat an NFL team. We should get credit. It, they should be a good enough team that we feel good and can use going forward. Not like the Titans games. Those are throwaways. Nothing but downside in those. But with Houston and Indy this year, that's upside. You beat those teams, you've beaten a decent team. That they're, These aren't throwaways. These are good teams that would maybe be leading several other divisions across football. And the Jaguars are just ho-humming their way through this right now, 8-3. and three. Skin of their teeth in some things, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't played a good game really until the last two weeks. And they were six and three. Calvin Ridley, I wasn't even sure was on the team until the last two weeks. We just got Zay Jones back, uh, you know, pending his domestic uh, issue that he had. Um, Dearness Johnson popped out of nowhere. The the former Cleveland Brown running back that burst onto the scene for a couple of weeks. He was our number three, moved up to number two last week. The Jags are only getting better. Their defense is getting better, significantly better. The defensive line is crazy. Josh Allen, I mean, the, the Jaguars lead the league in quarterback rushers. You wouldn't know it because they're not named Miles Garrett or TJ Watt or um, uh, 
Dallas guys, Micah Parsons, Bosa. They're not named any of those things, but they are. So just keep sleeping on Duval, baby, because we're ready to surprise you again. Keep sleeping. This team is getting better. Everyone thought last year was just what the Jags were going to be and not get any better. We're a young team who hadn't played together. We're getting better. Keep your head on a swivel, NFL. The AFC South is going to be the best division in football next year. I just have one question. When y'all play the Ravens, can y'all both wear your colored jerseys? I want that purple versus teal matchup. That would look fucking awesome. If it was on Thursday, probably, but uh, we're on Sunday night football for that one. Oh, shit. That's awesome. That, yeah, that's cool. Dude, two primetime slots in three weeks where we don't get two primetime slots in a decade sometimes. <laughs> we got them in, no, within it, three weeks. Yeah, it really has been over 10 years. <laughs> it really yeah. has been over 10 years since the Jaguars were on Monday night football. And that was uh that was Blaine Gabbert. Who? Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> Blaine Gabbert and Cecil Shorts hooked up. Cecil Shorts the <laughs> Cecil third. Shorts. That, oh, that was that. that was so long ago. I was still a Colts fan. <laughs> I hadn't even become a Broncos <laughs> fan at that point. I might have been fatter than you were back when that happened. I was pretty I, fat in college. I was certainly more in that conversation <laughs> than I am now at the very least. <laughs> well, that's that's where we are. Great. That was a great, that was a great little I, I'm not even gonna call that a hot box. That wasn't a hot box because it was more positive than anything, but it was a little just a just a, a soapbox. You know, you yeah. Yeah, the soapbox and take notice of this team for real. Cause like it's fresh blood. It's kind of like kind of like the Lions in the NFC. It's like we we're sick of seeing the same teams all the time. And now there's a there's a fresh team with a great color scheme, by the way, that that's just yeah. entered the chat. You know, a new a new player has entered the game, basically. I, and the, the whole fan base is just Florida man. Like go to these games yes. and just people watch like you're at Walmart. Believe me, I've been to one. Just this go watch the of- people. There's probably some overlap between those those dogs fans down in South Georgia and, and Jags fans. I mean, some of those guys are probably Jags fans. You, you never know. Um, I, I, w- I was uh, going to, to JD's a couple of weeks ago, and there was a guy outside. He was, you know, missing a couple of teeth and looking for the bottle store. Um, but he noticed I had a Jags shirt on, and he's like, I'm from Jacksonville. I'm like, yeah, I, could, I didn't even need to ask. I could tell you're from Jacksonville. Um <laughs> And uh, he's like, yeah, I grew up a, a Jags fan. Uh, have you been to the stadium? I'm like, yeah, I've been once. He's like, which side were you on? I'm like, I was, I was, I don't really know, but I was on the side that you could see TIAA Bank. We were parked in front of it. He said, okay, you were on the good side. Next time you go, peek on the other side of the stadium and see what's going on. Because it's one of those situations where they, they tried to hide essentially like the Jacksonville Martin Luther King Boulevard on the other side of the stadium. Ooh. So nobody sees what's happening back there. He's like, yeah, if you want to get into some trouble, go to the other side of that stadium. But Jack's fans a, are everywhere, baby. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a honey hole topic for me. That's a, the new red, the new uh, commander stadium. There's going to be a, uh, it's going to be some, uh, let's just say some displacement of folks that have lived in that section <laughs> of Washington DC for a long time. Three down one to go. We go to the fourth quarter right here on the right hash. You 
As we get to quarter number four here, our NFL picks, we, uh, of course, we're coming up on the two hour mark. And like we always do, we talked this afternoon and said, hey, let's let's try to have a little bit of a shorter show today because there's not as much going on. And, and you all know how that shit goes here on the right hash. So uh, we'll break the two hour mark here in this fourth quarter. Uh, but before we get to the games, it's, it's a fewer games than we have had. We had as many as I think like 12 uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, but we have. Uh, looks like eight this week. Of course, uh, just one back to just one Thursday game, which kicks off in a couple of hours. But we'll pick that game. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, let's get a standings and record update. Sure. Uh, really, really bad week from me um, this week. Pretty good week for you. Sorry, I'm trying to get my scroll. There we go. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, just really hit or miss in a bunch of these games. Luke, you were ten and four on the week. Um, you would have been better if you didn't have to take the obligatory uh commander's anchor down with you. You would have probably been 11 and three if you had just been an unbiased uh participator in the guesses. Um, I was seven and seven, and that was with the benefit of being able to pick the Cowboys. Uh, so not a good week for, for me. Um, that brings Luke to 70 and 51 on the season, myself to 66 and 55. Um, I'm just going by 11s, so. Uh, I'm fine with that bad week, but still a great week of football. And what that means is a lot of teams won that I didn't expect to win. So that usually makes it more interesting, but I would have preferred to get the picks right. And a, a, a very, uh, a very modified uh, shortened uh, pick slate for us this week is there's just not, not as many juicy matchups. So we've only got uh, was it, seven, eight picks for us this week. So um I got a little bit of room to catch up to Luke, but not as much opportunity this week. Yeah, and we'll start with the game coming up in a couple of hours on Jeff Bezos's famous Amazon Prime video. The Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks, Dak versus Geno. Um, man, that's, that's, I, I like that. I like that's two quarterbacks that oh, I, I would like Dak a lot more if he didn't if he didn't play for Dallas, but he's playing great football. Um, yeah, Geno, Geno's playing decent football. Um, Seahawks are banged up. Kenneth. Walker probably not going to play in this game. Inactives will come out about about an hour and a half before kickoff. Um, we'll you know this game you'll you'll know one of the results of our picks by the time you listen to this show probably. Um, but I'm I'm not overthinking this one. I I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm holding my nose as we speak. Uh, you can probably tell my voice is a little more nasal, but I will take the Dallas Cowboys here on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, just call a spade a spade. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now, at least how they're playing. Um, and and we knew as soon as that offense got to playing complimentary football with their defense, it, it was going to be uh, difficult to beat them. And uh, as much as I don't want to give a Cowboy a shout out, uh, I, I think there, there, there needs to be one here um, for, for a defensive guy. And that is, that is Deron Bland. Uh, who set the NFL pick six single season record with five last week with uh, a lot of runway to go. So, um, yeah, spade a spade, man. I, yeah, I, he's I, good. I, he is really I, good. I, I, I hate to be calling out stuff for the Cowboys, but spade a spade. That dude is <laughs> that that dude is way more than what I thought he was going to be. I, he's better I than Trayvon Diggs. It's better than Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, I mean, I'll. That's close. I, I want to see them both play at the same time because I think that's the better way to tell. But uh, he has certainly been more successful than Trayvon Diggs so far. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, I'm I'm taking the Cowboys here. Uh, no no questions. That moves us into one that I put on here mostly because I still think it's a tough one to pick. Um, that is uh, the Colts going into Nashville uh, to play the Titans. Colts are one point favorites. I just gushed about the Colts, so I'm not going to pick against them and fuck the Titans. Uh, I'm picking the Colts. Yeah, picking the Colts here too. Um, really for the same reasons. I just I cannot understand how the Titans win games. I I, I really don't. Um, they, so they, they don't. That's that's based. Yeah, basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't this yeah. year. Yeah, go go Colts. Minshew mania continues for another week. Um, yeah, really really love the job Shane Steichen's doing. Um, that was you know that that's just that was a, that was an under the radar head coaching hire. It didn't get a lot of attention, but um, uh, but yeah, I, I like I, I want, like what they're doing. I wonder where Derrick Henry winds up next year. Yeah, just not Philadelphia or Dallas, please, or New York. Just any anywhere but there. Can you um, imagine him in Baltimore? Anyway, we'll oh my about. God! Yeah, him in the Gus Bus. Oh yeah, Lamar, um, Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry running downhill on this on the option. Yeah, Jesus. good luck. Just dive um, out of bounds. Omar coming, yo. <laughs> Detroit and New Orleans. Um, yeah, I, I uh, high-powered offense of Detroit versus a very stout defense of New Orleans. Um, in the NFL, this usually goes the way of the offense, so I'm going to pick the Detroit Lions to win this ballgame. Bouncing back from that inexplicable is, – is inexplicable an okay word to use for that, that loss to Green Bay? Because I did not see that one coming. Not after their prior week, after needing a heroic comeback to beat the Bears. I mean, I'm – you know – I've been a big Lions supporter, a big Lions fanboy, really, this year. And I, I keep talking about this offense, and I just don't – it hasn't it hasn't materialized, I'll be honest. I mean, 31 points against the Bears isn't bad. Um, 22 against Green Bay, I guess, isn't bad. But, I mean, they're not lighting it up as much as they really should be. Uh, so, I, I'm a little bit less confident in saying the Lions these days, but – I'm still going to say the Lions because I believe in their potential. Um, yeah, they're, I just, and they're, I just think, their potential's high. Yeah, they're in a be- better quarterback situation than than New Orleans. Um, and I, just, I really haven't seen the Saints. We haven't seen the Saints play a whole lot this season. Yeah, it's been weird. The Saints have been really weird. But the, the mm-hmm. Lions' uh, quarterback situation did get bolstered this week as Hendon Hooker uh, got to go to start practice. So, you know, something yeah. happens to Josh Allen. We got Jared two Tennessee. We got Jared Goff. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at I'm looking at Josh Allen in the uh, the MVP article that's on my screen right Wait, is there, now. There's a lot. There's a Lions Josh Allen. <laughs> um, yes, he just plays for the Bills. Uh, but uh, I, I, it would be great to see Hooker play up there because that would mean Tennessee would have two of the four NFC North quarterbacks, um, at least for the time being. So, um. Uh, Good, good on, good on Hendon. His brother just entered the transfer portal, by the way, and uh, got a lot of eye emojis from Tennessee fans. So watch out for Austin H- Hooker uh, coming out of NCA and C. Is he also a quarterback? Yes, also a quarterback. Okay. Um, moving on to, uh, I, I, I picked the Lions here. Moving on yeah. to a very interesting matchup. This one I just kind of waffled. I didn't know how to really go with it. Falcons at the Jets. Um. Falcons are three-point road favorites. And if they continue using Bijan Robinson the way they do, I have no problem with my confidence in picking the Falcons. I'm picking the Falcons. But 
I, I just, I'm not confident in Arthur Smith to keep with what works. Um, the Jets defense is really good. It, even if he keeps with what works, it's still going to be an uphill battle. But uh, Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson or uh, I, I don't, Eli Manning, I don't know who comes out of the Meadowlands and plays, but um, I, I'm picking them to lose to the Falcons. This is the Spider-Man game. This this game is the Spider-Man meme with them pointing at each other to me. This is like abysmal offenses, good defenses. I think the Jets have a better defense and just like much better, just weird quarterback situations this year. The Falcons have gone between Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. You just detailed what, what the Jets have been doing. These two teams to me are spitting images of each other. And it's kind of funny that they're playing. Um, I'm taking the Jets. This feels like a sauce gardener game, just a, a Jets, a Jets secondary game. They've they've ridden their secondary in a couple wins this year. And they do, they do have a win over the Philadelphia Eagles this year, which is a better win than Atlanta has over anybody. So I'm I'm gonna take the Jets outdoors playing an indoor team. Uh, so that at the Meadowlands, that'll that, that could be an interesting game weather-wise. Um, and I, I I pick against the Jets a lot on this show, and I'm I'm changing that up here this week. Um, Denver and Houston. This was a game I don't think anyone had on their radar as being uh, having playoff implications or anything uh, when when the schedule came out. But these are two of the better teams in the AFC now. Um, Denver's gotten a winning record. Now Russ has been cooking. I mean, he he got a job at a new restaurant. I guess the guess it's just way better there, man. Chef Russ um, getting that win, get, cooking up the win. Um, in their last game o- over Minnesota, um, and or I should say, uh, did they did they beat Minnesota? That was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, um, yeah, they beat um, Cleveland, Cleveland, not Minnesota, not another yeah. cold weather city um, in the in flyover country. But big win over Cleveland against a good Browns defense. Um, and this this is a, this game it's a popcorn game. This game in Houston um, probably be a lot of Denver fans there. Um, and, I, and I went back and forth, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with the more experienced quarterback in this game. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson in, in what I think is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, so I, I, I'm really, really – I'll probably flip to this one during commercial breaks of the Washington-Miami game because this this one could be exciting, but I am taking Denver. Yeah, this is a, this is a good uh, – this is a really good game. Didn't think it was going to be looking at the schedules, but turned out to be a pretty decent one. Um, I, I'm just – I'm on the other side of the coin. Uh, I'm taking the the higher ceiling quarterback, um, but you can't ignore what Russ and, and Cortland Sutton have done this year. Especially Cortland Sutton, that dude is quietly having one of the best seasons for a receiver this year. Uh, something on like a he was on a four game touchdown streak. I don't remember if he got one against Cleveland. Um, I'm I'm looking back. Uh, nope. So his, his touchdown streak ended last week, but um, you know still still had. Three catches, 60 yards. That's a down game for him this year, which is an up game for a lot of guys. Uh, I like what they're doing. I like how they turned it around. Uh, the um, Sean Payton interview this week or press conference this week where they introduced him, the Denver media introduced him to the idea of what a scoregami was. Um, and that they, they've had two scoregamis this year, 29-12 uh, versus Cleveland and 70 to 20 versus Miami. So two scoregamis for Denver on the season. Now Sean Payton knows what that is. Uh but I I'm still picking the Texans. I they, they, these are, these are two hot teams. They are I don't I just don't think there's a wrong answer when picking, but I I just my my gut tells me that 
the Texans have it, and it's it's in Houston. I'm going to give them just a little bit of that edge for it being at home at NRG Stadium. So give me the Texans at a close one. But this is this is borderline one of the watches, definitely one of the watches of the week. Yeah, I kind of wish this was tonight's game and Seattle-Dallas was on Sunday because this, this, yeah. this is a cool one. Yeah, really cool. That's a great word for it. This is a cool game. All right. Uh, is this, is this me? Yeah, this one's you. Okay. Cleveland and the Rams. Uh, yep. So uh, uh, an- another one of these, I don't know, just kind of random games. It's a 420 plus five start if, if that does anything for you. Um, the Rams look decidedly different with Kyron Williams coming back last week. He had something like 180 all-purpose yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, and just He just makes them so versatile. Uh, still waiting to get the Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua combination uh, together. Um, this is this is a tough one because the Browns have such a good defense, but uh, the, the Rams have a better chance of, of scoring on offense, so I'm just going to go with the Rams here. Got two of the best defensive players in the game featured in this, this matchup. You've got Aaron Donald for the Rams, Miles Garrett for the, the Browns. Miles Garrett's been banged up. It's, there was a video that surfaced today of him doing push-ups on a medicine ball at practice. So I, I think I think he's probably gonna play. Um, he, you know, didn't didn't officially didn't practice, but you, you know, you, you got to figure Miles Garrett's gonna be on the field for this game. Um, biggest question is what does Cleveland do on offense with with whoever they have at quarterback? Yeah. Um, but I'm still taking I'm taking the Browns in this one because of that defense. Uh, I think it'll be a lower scoring game. Um, and you know, and I just, I just, I like this Browns team a lot. I just, I feel, feel like riding with them. Love the city of Cleveland a lot more than I like the city of Los Angeles too. And, uh, the Rams, the Rams franchise actually started in Cleveland. Fun fact. So for you, uh, for you ancient NFL history buffs, there's a little bit of that intrigue there too, but I, I'm going to take the Browns in a, I, I guess this is, this is probably an upset. Uh, I didn't look at the line, but, uh, three and um, a half points for the Rams. Okay. So yeah. So basically the home field advantage, but going to be yeah. a lot of Cleveland fans there too. You're going to be a lot. You know, there's that, that stadium is a haven for, for visiting fans. So there'll be a lot of, here we go. Brownies chance. I have a feeling. Joe Flacco it, in, in line to, to start oh, yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, that's by the right. way, so. He did the reverse. He did the reverse start in Baltimore and end up in Cleveland. So just, yeah. just <laughs> storylines abound. So the main 420 plus five game is Philadelphia and San Francisco. God, it feels like the Eagles are always at home. Man. It just feels like they fucking always play at home. Another they're, they're game also, they've also it. played like ridiculous teams like three weeks in a row too. So yeah, I, I give you a little bit. I, play those three teams in a row. You can play them all at home. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I got to hold my nose picking this one again too. Cause I've just seen Philly pull out so many games that I didn't think they were going to pull out. And I'm a, I love George Kittle. I you know, I like the San Francisco team a lot, but uh, I just something about the Eagles playing in that late afternoon where it gets real dark and chilly at, at the link uh, at the, at the end of the first quarter, and it's just that just seems like an Eagles kind of an Eagles thing. Um, and and of course their offense is humming right now. AJ Brown, uh, Devontae Smith, and company. Um, Dallas Goddard's still working his way back. They've been missing him, but really hasn't mattered a whole lot on offense and then you then you figure out what Jalen Hurts can do with his legs and I, I it's going to be a good game not not discounting the Niners at all but just giving Philly the edge here being at home and the more mobile quarterback in today's NFL yeah I'm taking I'm taking the 49ers um I just think they've been playing 
more dominant football than Philly. Uh, but I mean, like I said, Philly just came off of beating Dallas at Kansas City and Buffalo back to back to back. That that's a Super Bowl run. That there is nothing closer on anybody's schedule this entire year that is closer to a legitimate possible Super Bowl run, with the exception of two of them are in the AFC. Okay, but entertain me here. That those are those are three playoff quality teams that they did didn't dominate, but they beat every single one of them in one score games, and that's what elite teams do. Um, I just think this Niners team is different than any of those three teams. Um, and can can the Eagles do this back to back to back to back, and then get ready to go to Dallas the week after? I don't know, man. I I feel like just something has to give with them at some point, and the the Niners are the best team left on their schedule. I think the Niners are just going to – I think the Niners get them by by a hair, but I think they get them. Yeah, this this, I mean, this could be the best game of the weekend, honestly. I'm I'm glad I will be done and over with the the Washington beatdown by the time this game kicks off at 420 plus five. So I'll be settling in for for a – Potential, you know, a potential playoff preview. <laughs> and that takes um, us to a game that you were really excited about. Um, yeah. Lambeau Field at night. Finally. In December. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. <laughs> um, I've lost yeah, track Green- with who's doing these. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Green, Green Bay and Kansas City. Um, Chiefs. Fell behind early against the Raiders last week. Um, not just, I don't think they've been playing great ball as of late. Um, they, you know, they, 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 the loss to, they blew that second half lead against Philadelphia, kind of a corollary to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I, for one think Travis Kelsey's been a little bit distracted lately, even though he's, you know, still been making catches, but that, that fumble he had against Philly was pretty costly. And I, I did mention it. The biggest factor in this game, I think we might get some Packer weather. There's a uh, there's snow showers in the forecast for Green Bay on Sunday. This game kicking off at seven fifteen, seven twenty local time. Um, so that uh, that 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 could be a factor with that offense. The Chiefs run. Green Bay's got a good defense. They're coming off of a a a win against the team they kind of weren't supposed to beat on Thanksgiving. Um, so Jordan Love playing with a little bit more confidence uh, up against Patrick Mahomes. Um, who you know you know all about the Chiefs. We we don't they need no introduction, but they just they've they've looked a little bit more vulnerable this season. We've seen the Lions pick them off. Um, you know we saw we saw the Eagles pick them off a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football. Um, and I just I just have this feeling Lambo's good for a couple of these games a year. Um, and we we could get you know the best home field advantage in the NFL. Um, and that that could put the Packers over. So I'm I'm taking. I don't have an official upset special every week for the NFL, but this this is my upset special here. Give me the Packers here over the Chiefs on the frozen tundra. I, I love this matchup. I'm excited to watch it, and I, I really hope I get it right. So are you saying that Jaden Reed is going to mess up Patrick Mahomes' afro? It, it could very well happen. <laughs> it could very well happen. Brother I mean, Reed. Patrick Mahomes is making what forty million, fifty million dollars a year, and that's just the base price. It's just the base price. That doesn't include the Chrome. I mean, last week they won. They they went and they that was Detroit leather that they 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 you know they they, they messed up. Yeah, that's Detroit leather. Uh, the Packers might have to get a summer job. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, uh, all, all great points. The one thing that I'm defaulting to here is if we do get Green Bay weather, what that means is it's going to be probably more determined on who runs the ball the best and who throws it the best. And the Packers are likely to be without Aaron Jones and probable to be without A.J. Dillon, which leaves them with Patrick Taylor as their starting running back. Um, and the, the Chiefs have just had a good trio really of, of Isaiah Pacheco getting most of the carries, but also being supplemented with uh, CEH and uh, some Jarek McKinnon in the pass game. Travis Kelsey is a really good short yardage, find the sticks type of tight end. And I, I you know, just talking game script, I think the Chiefs are probably more likely to to be able to win a game like this, but Packers have been playing pretty well. Jordan Love is kind of finding a stride. Jaden Reed is definitely finding a stride. Uh, so this this is going to be a lot better game than people probably expect it to be on paper or even in Vegas. Chiefs are six point favorites. Um, I'm picking the Chiefs just because I I think they're going to have uh, more experience to win a game like this. But uh, God forbid it comes down to uh, the Chiefs having to move the ball through the air because uh, two weeks ago that didn't work out and they they got out to a quick 14 nothing hole against Vegas. And if you do that in Lambeau, you ain't coming back. I don't care who you are. Give me the Chiefs here. Um, and that leads us into the, the penultimate game of the week. Monday night football in Duval County. Um, I do wish Joe Burrow was in this game because I just feel like that would make it like so much bigger of an event. But I, I'm going to take the easiest path to victory on the first Monday Night Football since I've been a Jags fan. Um, I can't wait. I can't express how important it is to see the Jags get to this point and actually be picked for a Monday Night Slate. Um, there's no way in hell I'm picking against the Jags. Duval. Yep, I'm going to go with the Georgia team here. <laughs> yeah, give me the Jag. Give me the Jags. Um, the the quarterback matchup says it all. Um, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is a winner, man. You've uh, you you talked about this week. He just he just wins games, and, and he's going to keep doing that. Um, so yeah, man. The, it's the new look, the new era, AFC South. Man, it's it's this is this is a formidable division now, and I'm kind of glad that it is because you just you just need you need to change it up a little bit every so often. The, but yeah, the AFC South is what everyone thought the AFC West was going to be. Yeah. For real though. Um yeah. I, there's there's no easy outs at the very at the easiest. You still have to go stop Derrick Henry. That's your yeah. easy game. Yeah. Um and that I mean that Titans defense is pretty good too. You know, they're they're one of those defensive minded teams but I'm just, I'm just like like we were saying. I, I think the last time I watched, the last time I saw the Jaguars on Monday Night Football, I was like drunk in a McDonald's across the Western or across the uh, from the NC State campus on Western Boulevard. Like that's how long it's been, and it's just like. It's Are like, you just paraphrasing Trevor Lawrence's press conference now, or? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the it's like the the routine, like the routine, like it's weird for the fans, right? Like, the city hasn't had a Monday Night game. Like the the traffic's going to be interesting. Like. The, you know the, the the crowds at the at the landing and whatnot this is like this this is a, a real chance for Jacksonville to show on a national scale like we're we're here and we're here to stay yeah and uh, I mean it's it's just a warm-up for two weeks when we play Sunday night versus the the Ravens 
It's yeah, and that game will be at home too, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's that involved. At... Is it? I haven't um, looked. I think that game. No, I think that game's at home. That game is at at, at Jacksonville. Uh, in even Duval better county. So even that better. Would be, I still I still want both the teams to wear their colored uniforms, though. That that would look sweet. Um, I got well, an all fair comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> well. That is about all the time we've got. We uh, we promised you a shorter show, and we gave you a a slightly shorter show. So I guess I guess we we did our job. But um, yeah, man, conference championship weekend. I I know I know you're going to be planted in front of the TVs with uh with with all that football going. Not as much football as normal, but but still a full day, wall to wall coverage, and a lot a lot of college football implications on the college football playoff implications on the line this week. Man, I, I I did need a break. I like I I took a break kind of during Sunday night football. I I didn't watch much of the game. I, there was so much football and basketball and everything on. I had to take a mental break. Yeah, not going to happen this it, man. week. I, but I, yeah, I work in I work in sports. Yeah, so we are going to take a a week or so break, and we'll have another episode of this for you next week here on the Right Hash. And of course, in a few days. Uh, we'll have an episode of The Right Hosh. Look for that early next week on uh, some EPL action, probably Monday or Tuesday of the first week of December. And uh, we, will, we will ride off into the sunset now. Actually, the sun's already down because it's, it's so late in the year. But Thursday, football, Cowboys, Seahawks. We hope our, we get our picks right. And we will talk to you next time from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Don't feel the same.